This is Robert Clotworthy, the narrator of The Curse of Oak Island, and I have a question for you. Could it be that you are listening to The Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream? All right, we are live. And yes, you are listening to The Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream. I am your host, Jeff Freeman, and over here we have my co-host, Jack Campbell, and we have our very special guests that we have here today, Steve Guptel and Laird Niven. Welcome, guys. Thank you for being here. Thanks for, yeah, having, thanks for having us. We've been waiting for this for quite a long time. I know we put this out about a month ago saying that you guys were going to be uh, uh, on the show with this, and everybody was really looking forward to it. I know I have been, too. So we had a lot of questions that were coming today. Um, but as we get started here, I want to kind of take this opportunity to, to look into your backgrounds a little bit. Not only are we curious about the things you're doing on Oak Island, uh, and have and the things you can share with us, but we're also curious about many of the things that you've done off the island and how you got to be where you are. Um, and and I got to say, what a great gig, huh? I mean, here here you guys were off in your doing your working in Nova Scotia or wherever, and you know doing your craft, and then you get an opportunity to go on the island. I mean, that's got to be incredible, right? To be on TV and stuff. It's certainly changed my life. Yeah, <laughs> I'll bet. yeah in a yeah. big way, hopefully in a positive way, because I know it's a positive thing for all of us. Uh, Stephen, I'll start with you, you know, kind of talking about the fact that you were, I guess, with um, the uh, Nova Scotia Community College. And is that where you basically got your start uh, learning about uh, geometrics, right? Is that how it is? Uh, geomatics. Geomatics. Well, I'm sorry. Okay, thank you. Yeah, um, I mean, so I have a background before serving. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I did grad at Acadia University, which is also here in Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. And that's where Dr. Spooner now teaches, or he's a professor there. Ah, okay. But, doing uh, your on and became a surveyor. And so, doing your craft. And surveying. Uh, mm -hmm. I did grad at Acadia University, which is also here in Nova Scotia. So there's a bit of delay on my end. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear that. But anyway, I'll continue. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I went to COGS in early to, you know, 2006, 2007, and I did program there. So there's two routes you can take to become a surveyor. You can go to university or you can go to uh, college. And really in the end, it, it it ends up being the same. If you go to university, you can become a registered land surveyor a bit quicker. Uh -huh. A lot of your tests while you're in university, when you go through the college route, um, a lot of those tests you end up writing while you're actually working in the field. Okay. Mm -hmm. I graduated from NSCC or COGS. So you guys see on the show, see a lot of COGS gear from Doug, myself, and maybe a few others. Hats and stuff. Yeah, we've seen it quite right. a bit. Yep. So Doug and I worked there. So lo and behold, I started at COGS. I went into the industry. I worked out west for a company called Midwest Surveys. You'll see that little patch on my logo on my. Oh, yeah. Yes. I have seen <laughs> it. Yep. So that was my field best. Um, I worked there for seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. I returned home, which is Nova Scotia. So I went west. So Alberta, Saskatchewan. Uh, returned home. Uh, I. Worked at COGS actually in the surveying department for four or five years and got the call from Oak Island season six, so it'll be three years ago. And uh, I sort of stuck. I think I came out to do a couple jobs and they liked the fact that I was recording data to you know one inch or two or three centimeters, which was a lot better than recording it with their cell phone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just sort of started keeping a digital record of everything and I got call and call and call, and lo and behold, I ended up full time. Yeah, that's you a, have a military background, also, don't you? I do. I, I wasn't in the military very long, about three and a half years. Wow. Okay. Well, that's great. And I was too. I was a I was a Navy man myself. So uh, you know, and I know that's from a different country. But thank you for your service. Oh, you know, that's yeah. really good. Appreciate that very much. Um, and I'm sure the country does too. 
Um, so yeah, that's very interesting. You know, that, you know, you talked about Dave or, um, uh, Doug being part of that as well. Cause as we've seen, we've seen the hats and I know, you know, Nova Scotia community college, you know, you could tell what that was. I think most people know what that was, but the cogs, I know a lot of people asked about what does that cogs mean, uh, in the center for geographic St sciences, right? That's, that's right. Yeah. Yep. And that's very interesting. So, so now you're hired on by the Island. So you actually work for, for Oak Island tours, I guess it's, is a, is a official name of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I would say most of the research group, and I'll let Laird speak for himself, were contracted mm -hmm. uh, employees of Oak Island Tours. So, um, yeah. you know, we work on and off the island for Oak Island Tours. So I strictly yeah. work right now uh, when we're working for Oak mm -hmm. Island Tours. So I no longer work for NSCC. I did for the first year. So I, I did do what Dr. Spooner's doing, and I tried to go back and forth between working at COGS and working on the island, and it's just, it's too intense. So, right, right. Uh, I wanted to commit all my time to one or the other and the island one. So, yeah. And, I, and we know too, that I, I've heard you talk about before uh, that you spend, you know, an awful lot of time during the filming or during the actual time you can be on the island, I guess from April or whenever on that you spend like sun up to sundown just about every day on the island. Uh, that's got to be incredibly, you know, take, I don't know about weekends, but I know that's got to take up a lot of your time. But then again, it's, 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 I think I would have to think that it's very, fun, enjoyable, and very, uh, you know, the type of work that really satisfies you, I guess, would be the word I'm looking for, right? So let's, let's jump over to Laird. Laird, um, now you, you know, getting to where you are, I know that you I initially studied at Darling, it's Dalhousie, is that how Dalhousie. it's called? Dalhousie. Um, but you've, you've got a, you know, your resume, uh, you, you know, all the different things that you've done is pretty extensive, but you started off there, and I guess you started off with anthropology right yeah it was uh, sociology and social anthropology mm -hmm. was my degree and then i went i i got into the i got a job in a camera store oh really I was working in a camera store and uh in 1983 i decided that i'd just take a course at saint mary's mm -hmm. and part of that course was they had stephen davis uh who was the, the archaeologist at saint mary's come in and give a talk one night and as soon as he gave the talk, I went, you that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and so I went back to upgrade my my degree at St. Mary's and mm -hmm. kind of weaseled my way in with Steve Davis and worked with him for years. So. Right. So that, uh, like I was saying, you know, you have quite an extensive uh, a resume there of different places you've been. I know it, it talked about worked many federal and provincial environmental assessments. Mm -hmm. So you've been over all over. Now, what does that include? Like, like finding uh, foundations and different things like that, or uh, explain it. Yeah. So the environmental assessments are triggered for things like highway twinning, um, mm -hmm. pipelines, things like that. Uh, and part of that is to have the archeologists come in and we do a, they call it an archeological assessment inventory. Mm -hmm. So we see what uh, what archaeological sites may be uh, impacted by the project, right. and we recommend mitigation, which is excavation or whatever. Right. Well, I know that you're also no stranger to being on TV because I know uh, looking into this a little bit, I I, I kind of found it. I'm going to show this picture here. Uh, I I found some. This was about uh, eight years ago, um, <laughs> and it was. <laughs> It was, uh, you were working out, it says Argyle Street, and, and I was trying yeah. to catch the name of the actual, uh, it was a property or something. That it's, the, it's, it's the new convention center is what it was. Mm -hmm. 
building the new convention center. So that was built on two city blocks. Um, one city block was completely obliterated, um, but the other one had a, a whole bunch of, uh, of, you know, building foundations and outhouses and a well and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this was on the CBC, right? So you yeah. were actually on the news and everything. You know, they brought you up here, and I saw this, and then there, there it is. It yeah. up. <laughs> so this was about eight years ago, was it? Yeah, it was. That's yeah. awesome. We so, found yeah. a, lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in that. Uh, in that yeah, and I actually watched this, and it was a, a good segment. You know, they were talking, you know, you were giving an explanation about, uh, you know, what you had, uh, what you were finding. You talked about the privies, finding the privies on mm -hmm. the on this spot and things of that nature. But it was really cool to see that because that shows the things you've done that are off the island. And yeah. I didn't know if there was any, was there any other special like places or things you've done that uh, you could share with us or wanted to share with us? Well, I spent a lot of time in, uh, in Divert. Um, and so that's, uh, that site has paleo Indian occupations. So the, the artifacts from there are about 12 or 13,000 years old. Oh, wow. Oh, my. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. And that was pretty cool. Um, I would imagine. But the the project I, I enjoyed the most and I'm the most proud of is Birchtown. So the Black Loyalist uh, uh, settlement in Birchtown. Mm -hmm. where's, um, where's that in relation to? So it's about an hour away. So Samuel Ball went from South Carolina to New York mm -hmm. to Shelburne and then to Birchtown, so he, which is about uh, six okay. miles away from... Birch sounds about six miles away from Shelburne okay. and it's about an hour away from Oak Island. Okay. All right. Um, but it's archeology span that hadn't been done before. And I think I documented 25 black loyalist sites in total. Wow. Yeah. It was really pretty cool. And how many years yeah. ago was this? That was a long time ago. So I would have been 98. I think it started. Uh, 98. Yeah. Was this around the area that he owned? Also in that area? No, he didn't, know, he didn't own property there. He 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 went from, from Birchtown uh to Chester and that's where he started buying his property. Yeah. So somewhere around this time, I would say, huh? Uh, a little bit after that. Oh, was it okay? <laughs> this, this is like 85, I think. Oh, okay. Well, where is this from? I, I saw this picture out there. I had to grab it because here, yeah. here we have the young uh Larry so Niven out there working. That's my first year of archaeology. Um at the Shubenacadie Canal. Oh wow! Site, uh, which is uh, ironically just about ten minutes away from here. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this is like one of the first ones you've done. It is. Oh wow, that's fantastic. It was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, we you know we had a uh, we had a question actually. Um, let's see, what did we have here? Oh, this one was actually for Stephen. I'm gonna jump over to Stephen for a second. Yeah. Stephen, this was a, a question that came up for you. I'll throw this out there because it kind of leads into what some of the things you wanted to talk about. Um, and this was from Michelle. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, Michelle, I'm sorry if I don't say your name correctly here. Uh, Thomair, Thomair, T-H-O-M-A-I-E, Thomair. Um, it says, Steve, I have a young friend, a 12-year-old gal who loves Oak Island. Uh, you came up in the conversation last night. She was curious about what education is required to become a surveyor. And she had, uh, you know, she said, I have no answer for her. What, what can you help to, uh, to uh, let her know what is required? So there's a couple of routes. I, I talked about that actually when I was talking about my past. Um, mm -hmm. So you can do two. And you can do the college route. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can do, do the college route, and it's a two- to three-year program. Mm -hmm. And you can with a diploma 
or an advanced diploma with as a surveyor geomatic technician. And, and that's the first. And I would say for every 100 people that become surveyors, 50 would do the college and 50 would do the university. Mm-hmm. Um, two is you be, go to university and become an engineer. So you become, a, you become a geomatics engineer. And that essentially fast tracks you to becoming a legal land surveyor. Okay. So, mm-hmm. surveyor, so you can sign survey plans. All right. And, and it just, it really just fast tracks. So there's two routes. If you want to get in the field quicker, you can make money while you're becoming a land surveyor. You go the college route because college tuition is a little bit cheaper. If you don't, you go to the right. university for four years and uh, you become a geomatic engineer. So those, that's how you become a surveyor. Wow. So that's great information. So, uh, so for that person, and I don't think we had a name. It was just the talking about the 12 year old that was very interested in that 12 year old gal says, so there you go. There's your answer about that. And, uh, um, I know you guys are part of our group too. So maybe if, if somebody wants to ask and get a little more in-depth information about that, it'd be great. They can certainly post that question. And I'm sure you guys would be more than happy to, to share that. And, uh, so we'll jump back over to Laird for a minute. Laird, I've got a couple other pictures that I wanted to show, and maybe you could uh, shed a little light on them. Um, this one, uh, let's see, we've got, well, that we had the one that you were working by the, you said you called it a canal. Shubenacne canal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And then there was this one here. Let's see. We'll bring this one up real quick. And this is, you're with a a colleague, I guess there. What, what's, what's this one all about? Don Miller. So this is a, this was a site in downtown Halifax. Mm -hmm. Um, was the site uh, owned by the grandmother of a guy named Samuel Sellen. Okay. Um, and we found historical information first. We didn't. Paul Erickson, who was a professor at St. Mary's, did. Mm-hmm. That the house had burnt down in 1780. Oh, wow. Um, so he did a lot of historical research and decided we would do an archaeological project um, to see if we could find the house. And we actually we found the house with our first couple of pits. Wow. Uh, I've got a lot of lot of beautiful artifacts from in there. And so Don's holding a, a, a Chinese porcelain teacup, mm-hmm. the top part. And I'm holding a, a flat iron. Uh, oh, really? Iron. Oh, yeah. wow. I That's, thought it was a rock, but you're right. It is yeah. shaped exactly like a, a yeah. flat iron. Wow. Yeah. And I'm wearing, so this is 1986, and I'm wearing the Monticello T-shirt because I just gone back, come back from a field school in Monticello. In, oh, in wow. Yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. I have one more here too, and then this one, uh, this one kind of goes a little bit away from the archaeology. It kind of, kind of jumps into a little bit more about uh, Laird Niven that that Uh-oh. maybe most people didn't know. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so here you are. I guess you're 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 uh, part of a soccer team, right? Yeah, the Basin Basin Insurance Soccer Team. Yeah. All right. When when was about when was this? I stopped. I probably stopped playing six or seven years ago. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Well, my knees didn't. They didn't like soccer. Yeah, I uh, kind of know what you mean there. I, I, I can. The remember. older you get, the worse the knees get. I, I played basketball, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. too bad. I enjoyed yeah. it. But. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, there was it was kind of interesting to see some of the uh, some of the pictures from the past there, and I and I think that uh, I think I actually uh, I, think I actually had one for Stephen too. Let's see if I can find this picture. And I and I and I wasn't when I looked at it at first. I'm like. I don't know. Are we sure this is, is this Steve? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I'll, I'll share this. And if this is not you, I apologize, but why? That's, um, <laughs> huh? That's not you. Okay. No. <laughs> His hair's <laughs> too messy. There's a, and you know, there's, there's quite a few uh, <laughs> out there too. You know, we're, we're looking at these other, uh, there's another guy, I guess it was, uh, 
uh, has the same name and, you know, generally in the area. So you had to be very careful what you were pulling up there. Um, but yeah, I thought, eh, I don't know. That doesn't really look like it, but maybe, but we know that, uh, getting over to the Island, we know for sure that, uh, this is you right here. And this is that shirt you're talking about, right? Yeah. You're on your, your, the, that patch you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I've got both. I've got my cogs and my Midwest. So we sort of represent everybody I've worked for. Yeah, exactly. And that's so cool too, because I know it's like with Laird wearing his, the hat we see you wearing on the Island all the time that, uh, people, uh, you know, ask all the time about it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's uh, that represents the the uh, the soccer team or football, I guess it would be called, right? Yeah. The team, that you, the hat you wear quite often, and you've got a couple different ones that switch from time to time. I I see too. I do. I have a few. <laughs> and you've got Here, one on this behind me. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's looking a little worn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's season four and five, I think. Uh, yeah. The Oak Island hat. Yeah. yeah, that's what we see on Oak Island all the time. Yeah. Exactly. That's really cool. Um, so, and Steve, you, uh, you've been having a lot of fun in your off season, you know, you, you get, you guys get to, uh, you know, finally get away from the Island when filming is done for the season, you get to go and do some other things. You've been skiing a lot lately, right? Yeah. I ski a couple times a week. I have a lot of fun. Spooner and I have picked that up and <laughs> skiing for years, but we've known each other now the last couple of years and mm -hmm. for Laird's bad knees, I'm sure he would join us. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. In the lodge. Yeah, that's got to be, and I, I like to ski too. Now out here in, uh, I live in Western Pennsylvania and there's, there are a few ski hills around we got in this area, but it's nothing like, uh, I skied a little bit in Southern California going up to Big Bear area skiing in Tahoe also, also. And I tell you, that's, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not, a, I'm, I'm a very low level skier. So when it comes to, uh, uh, I remember a trip I took one time and I went up these lifts and I got all the way up. I thought I'm going to go up and check this out. Well, come to find out that when you get up to the top of the mountain, there's only one way to come down. You don't get back on the lift to come down. If you don't like what you see, too bad. You're, you're kind of stuck. And so the first hill I went over and I looked down the edge and I thought, and then I looked over the sign. It was like Black Diamond or something. I'm like, okay, this is not where I'm supposed to be. So no. unfortunately, <laughs> I said, this is going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be the end of me right here. So I ended up finding there was another trail that kind of meandered its way around. It was a little bit more safe to take. So, but uh, are you, you a pretty good skier? You've been, you've been doing this a while. You said, or you just picked it up recently? No, I've been skiing since I was probably about 12. So. Oh, okay. That's cool. It's funny. I, I don't like winter at all, but my sports are hockey and ball. Or ho I do play ball, but hockey and skiing are my big sports. And the Canadian sports. I suppose I pick them up because I hate winter, so I need something to do while it's, while it's cold out. So Steve, Steve has a huge duffel bag full of winter clothes that he puts on. Oh, really? Yeah. When the if you look at the, the spoils table, you know, we go back to last year, Jack and I. Mm -hmm. I, I don't exaggerate when I say I'd have about 12 layers on. I looked like I was about 400 pounds. <laughs> I think I might actually have a picture of that. We might be showing some of that here in a little bit. Um, we also had another question, and this one was for Laird. It said, um, uh, Discovery, and again, this kind of goes back to things off the island, but it was uh, from Michelle again. And she said, Laird, Discovery is not limited to limited only to the island itself. Uh, and again, you might have already touched on this a bit, but it said, has there been any study of the surrounding areas and island that support your findings on the island that's a question i get a lot yeah and, um no there hasn't been uh there's been no work as far as i know uh in the immediate area uh, mm -hmm. and on the islands around the immediate area i mean one island is it apple island that's i did not think i don't think we can get on apple island um you're, is that the one just like north or northwest or yeah. northeast of the uh, northeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
there was one island you were on just for a very short time, and I that cannot was, remember the name of it. That was Hook. That was Jack oh, okay. and, and yeah, yeah, Gary. I think yeah. I hadn't. I haven't been on any of the adjacent islands. Now are they privately owned, so yeah. you can't get on? Yeah, you need permission. Yeah, but we're we're interested. We know Samuel Ball owned a hundred acres off islands. Um, so, you know, this, it's kind of a, a project that may come up in the future. You never know. Interesting. Great idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, Stephen, you were you originally came out when you when you first came to the island, you basically came out. You were asked to be, you know, look for Chef Six. Was that correct? Initially? Yeah. Okay. Can yeah. you talk about that a little bit and that 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 exploration? Because now, obviously, you know, you come out there with your, you know, we call it the, the staff of, you know, the. <laughs> And again, this kind of goes back to Deidre and Emma on, on could it be Oak Island, but the, you know, the staff that you carry with you, you know, yeah. the staff of truth, because it, it narrows down exactly, you know, within just an, an inch. inch, an inch. Yeah. So that's a little bit more precise than some of the other stuff that the people use, but, and that's really why they brought you out to the island. So talk about shaft six and, and that, if you would, just a little bit. Sure. Um, so originally in, in season six, I was hired to do two things. And one was to find shaft six. So what I was supposed to do was take all the data that we had collected um, or they had collected previous to me and compile it in a database. So mm -hmm. essentially what I did is I took everything that anybody has done, um, especially since the Lagina started, and right. I put it in AutoCAD. So I created a database. I created a, um, I took essentially Terry's grid and I expanded it, mm -hmm. continued to build on it. And then I would take the data that was supplied. So they'd hire companies to come out and collect data or Terry would collect data by doing offsets with hand notes. And truth be told, Terry did a really good job because when I corrected it with my survey gear, he wasn't off a whole lot. Really? Yeah. It's, it's, so it's just great. by doing offsets, Terry did a pretty good job, like doing an offset from this tree and an offset from this monument. Mm -hmm. uh, they did a pretty good job of placing a lot of those holes. So I was hired to do, uh, to find shaft six. So I based the information that I was given mm -hmm. um, on top of correcting some of the positions of the drill holes to find shaft six. And I based a lot of that on historical information and wood finds. Wow. So if you go back a couple of seasons, two or three seasons, you can see my first war room where I do the presentation. And, uh, yeah. and that was just based off of evidence that we had at the time. Now, as the season progressed into season seven, so as season six rolls into season seven, we learned that that wasn't actually shaft six. What we had based the information on was the Halifax tunnel. Mm -hmm. So based on the wood hits, um, and as we continued the drill program, it turns out what we had thought was shaft six was the Halifax tunnel, which was okay because it gave us a position on the Halifax tunnel because we have data on the Halifax tunnel. Mm -hmm. And as season seven rolls in, if you remember season seven in our drill program was the search for shafts. So mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the money pit program or all of almost our resources in the money pit were based on finding shafts because with shafts and historical data, we can find the money pit. Right. And that's what's really so ultimately important. And I know that that's something that, you know, as we're watching in season eight right now, you know, and even Marty says, I'm tired of seeing wood, but you know, really that wood is so important because it tells a story and it also lets you narrow down or try to basically narrow down what shaft you are finding. Uh, and I know right now, um, you know, they're, they're talking about the, Oh, and I had it written down and I, I forgot. Pardon me. Tuffle? Is it tuffle? Yeah, the tuffle shaft or tupper shaft. Tupper. Tupper. tupper shaft, yeah. And that's yeah. so important because they know it's like 10, 10 feet away from the, the original money pit. 
Um, so finding it is so vitally important. Um, so, but you, and I guess you work a lot with Craig Tester, right? And now you, Craig, we know is the data man. He seems like the guy who is collecting data so much and putting, compiling this all together. So you, you two really work close together. Is that correct? That's yeah, that's right. So the money pit program is really, it's driven, um, you know, the people involved, I would say Craig probably leads it. Mm -hmm. So Terry, obviously, uh, Charles, myself, uh, Doug and Scott, anybody else I'm missing there? Laird, uh, Rick, Rick's involved with everything. Yeah, yeah right, Rick. Yeah. Rick, was Dan, was Dan, has, was Dan Hensky helped uh, some of that, the money pit there? D Dan Hensky was, Dan Hensky was a huge help in season seven. Um, he, he, you know, Dan Hensky is over 80 now and, and he was on the island this year, but not as much as he has been because of COVID. So we had to restrict yeah. Yeah, that's pretty true. Right. himself because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So we get to see as much as Dan as we would like, because Dan's essentially a walking encyclopedia of Oak Island. So anything that we have hunted for, we really need to learn to go ask Dan first. And Laird can contest to this because Dan just takes us there. So he's a GPS, right? Yeah, shaft none. We found it because Dan stood on top of it. I <laughs> in season six. So the second job I was hired for, let's go back a couple of years, um, was to record all of the information in Dan's head. So I walked around with Dan and just recorded everything. And one of the things was got brought up in season seven. Well, we need to find shaft nine. And I said, well, that rings a bell. I remember serving that with Dan. And so mm -hmm. enough, sure enough, I took them back and I said, well, this is where Dan took me. And we dug a hole and there was shaft nine. So. I think what I found was with the coconut fiber. This is what it got me. He was able to go right to the. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he walked right out there in spot. the. Uh, <laughs> and I thought he could walk right to a spot, and here, and here it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we did. Yeah, they, you kind of broke up there for a second. I don't know if we had a little internet lag there, but yeah, that's exactly right because he he walked right out there in the in the. Uh, um, in the water. Yeah, he walked right out there and said, you know, it should be right in this area. And they started digging. And sure enough, they came up with a coconut fiber. So that man, what a wealth of knowledge uh, that he had, you know, with things. And even talking about the, you know, they were talking about the serpent mound that we know. Well, at least as far as we've seen so far in the episodes uh, in season eight here, we know it's just a spoils pile, I guess. Um, Aaron, you know, uh, Aaron Taylor's been out there working with that quite a bit. And I think Laird's been out there, too. Um, but that's, I guess, just a spoils pile. But, you know, he was they asked him initially about that. And he said, he said, uh, you know, no, this was not something that we put here. It was here, you know, long ago. So just the wealth of knowledge that that man carries is is uh, phenomenal. Yeah. We were in a meeting one night. It was in the research center. I remember it was Laird that spoke up. Has anybody, you know, we've been searching for years. Has anybody asked Dan just to go stand in a spot and say, <laughs> that was you, right, Laird? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? Why don't we just tell Dan to go stand in a spot? And this is big. Yep. Yeah, that's incredible. And and you know, and that's some of the things you know. Now we've we've lost, uh, uh, you know, Dan Blankenship and and Fred Nolan, of Fred course. Nolan. And, and what what resources those men? Uh, and I think you know, even I think Laird, you when you first came out to the island, you were actually hired by Dan. Was that was that true? I was hired by Dan, uh, and then I was hired by Fred. Okay. Yeah, and Fred wasn't allowed on the island. He was allowed across the causeway. Mm -hmm. Of course, he had his museum just at the head of the causeway. Right. And, but then we had to walk along the high water mark to Center Road, and then we could walk to his property. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you actually the, the food was that was that better at that time for a long time, wasn't it? Yeah. 
So you were right in the middle of that. I mean, you were there while that was happening. So you originally worked for Dan, but then with Fred. So you were, yeah. What, I, what was that like? I mean, I, I thought neither of them would die just out of, just to spite each other. <laughs> <laughs> they did, you know, things got a little better later on but uh yeah no it was a it was an awkward situation for sure yeah i bet it was and you know and that was something that we talked about too is that the fact that boy if those two could have worked together uh better you know what what could they have accomplished um it's just amazing that they what way was missed in my opinion so much of that collaboration between them is was missed well i know dan liked to play things close to his heart close mm -hmm. to, and uh there were a lot of things he didn't tell people, I think. I think we're finding that out, right, Steve? Yeah. A lot of things Dan knew. and Wasn't Fred the same way, kind of, too? I mean, you didn't get to know Fred the way you knew Dan because you didn't have as long a period of time. Yeah. To, right. get to, to, get a trust, to get a trust issue going. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're treasure hunters. So Gary's the same way. When you meet Gary initially... If you ask him questions about specific things, you're not going to get a straight answer, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Until he really gets to know you, and and they're the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So, and then with you uh, coming on the island, Steve, uh, you know, with your, have you? I, I would imagine you've seen, you know, many or maybe some of uh, Fred's survey maps because you've become the new Fred on the island, in 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 a way, of, in a manner of speaking, um, because now you're kind of picking up where he left off. So. Have you seen many of his survey? Are they called charts or maps? Are many uh, of his surveys? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, survey plans. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I can't speak too much of this okay. because I don't know what's going to air and what hasn't aired. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the plans that you've seen are aired in previous seasons. Mm -hmm. I've, I've used those and been a part of those um, in our seasons or my seasons. So, mm -hmm. I mean, surveying information gets handed down, most of it gets signed and it becomes legal and a lot of it becomes public knowledge and mm -hmm. some of Fred's is and some of Fred's isn't. So I what agree. I can do on that is, you know, I'm a surveyor, he was a surveyor. I have been granted luckily uh, access to a lot of, not all, but a lot of Fred's information. And I can say to what Jack said a second ago, um, Fred was really good at what he did he surveyed with high precision, which we do. I mean, it's it's legal. Everything we do is legal. We can be sued if we don't do it right. And right. That, we do multiple checks. Um, but Fred also played, he played things close to his chest. And he, he you know, we find things where he found things, mm -hmm. but he didn't label them. So he knew what he found. And then we have to do the investigation. So, you know, I go back and I say, okay, we found this here. And I go back and I look on one of Fred's plans and he found it too, but mm -hmm. he didn't. So... He found something, we found something, um, but he didn't give the information of what it was. So, but you can't blame him for that. I mean, he right. knew what it was. And I mean, he's a treasure hunter. You yeah, don't want to get right. all your secrets if you're a treasure hunter. Exactly right. Yeah, that's very interesting because, you know, and, and that would be, you know, we've seen, you know, when, when uh, you know, in past seasons, you know, when they were showing some of this to Rick um, and they, they rolled out like some of these maps they had laid out on the table in there. And my goodness, I mean, to me, it's like, where's the actual map? Where's the island on here? Because it's just covered in lines. And of course, I'm not a surveyor. I don't understand all that. I mean, I understand that they're they're using these lines to mark certain things, but my goodness, I mean, is it was it? Do you normally see maps that detailed with that much stuff on them, or or was he a little overzealous on that? Maybe I don't I, know. I mean, he put everything on it. I mean, there's so much going on in the island. Mm -hmm. So 
difference between how Fred surveys and Eifert survey. He would have used a transit or as he was going over right. to total station. And um, Laird's familiar because Laird and I have a total station on the island, but we don't use it a ton. Uh, most of my surveying is done with my GPS. Okay. Without a GPS. So with a total station, you have to tie something to a control point. So those lines are tie lines that are tying it back to a control point. Okay. And where I don't need those. Mine is tied to essentially satellite, so it has coordinates. It has 3D coordinates, like a northing and easting and elevation, mm -hmm. like a long and elevation, and it just it sits in the world where it sits. So if I survey something, it has a 3D coordinate. So I don't have to put a tie line to it because it's in the database stored in a 3D coordinate. So right. into do away with a lot of the background noise. I would say our plans, the plans that we build in the research center, are just as detailed, but it doesn't look as messy because right. I don't to tie it back to stuff. Right. So Fred's plans, they're legal. You know, they were done by a legal land surveyor or a land surveyor. And um, he surveyed everything. He kept a, you know, a very detailed record of everything that he did, but he has to, there's so much going on on that Island. You have to keep a record. And it's especially as you build it over the years, the right. data is so huge that he needs multiple plans and multiple records. So what, yeah. what he's done isn't abnormal, but you don't see it every day. Right, right. So yeah, and then like I said, me looking at it as a as a person who doesn't, I mean, I kind of have a vague understanding of surveying. I know what it's about, but all the details in it, I have no idea. And just looking at those maps, you know, and I, I thought, my goodness, how, how do you make any heads or tails of this? And I obviously you would understand that stuff. Um, and I was wondering about that because there's so much. And like you said, some that he's shared and some that you haven't seen. Um, and I know that, and it's so, so grateful that, you know, now that, you know, with with Dan uh, Blankenship and Fred being gone, and it's a it's a shame because there's so much knowledge in both of them. Um, but now their sons working together with Dave. Now we know we know that Dave is retired, and and honestly, I got to say that uh, too. And I'll just interject this real quick that the the drilling down episode that was just on here a couple weeks ago with uh, with uh, you know Dave Blankenship talking about Dan uh, and himself and the things that he's gone through. That was one of the best. I think that was one of the best episodes that's been on the entire season. We really got to see a great look at that. And we're going to miss, you know, Dave on the island, you know, having him around. And, I, and I'm and i sure, you know, and, I, and I'm going to ask you both, if you don't mind, you know, to kind of share a little experience that you have with Dave Blankenship and how uh, anything memorable that you can think of. We'll start with you, Stephen, if you have something that you'd like to share with about Dan or da yeah, Dan Blankenship. Dave? Uh, both. Dave. Actually. Did you, you were there. Uh, did you get to meet him really? I, I met Dan a couple of times. Um, my story with Dan is short and sweet. Uh, I met him the first time. I was actually with Dave when I met Dan. Okay. Summer out there. So it was probably my second day on the island. So we'll yeah. go back to six. And I was sitting out on like um, right beside where our museum is. We have like a little break table out there. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen it. Yeah. Sitting with Dave. And I don't remember what we were talking about, but Dan came over in a golf cart. And uh, he came over, and the first thing out of his mouth was, um, like, who, who the F are you? And, uh, and <laughs> yeah. Dave, Dave said, oh, no, are you an theorist? That's what he said. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and he laughed, right? He carried on. Because he was, he was joking, but he wanted to right. uh, see. And Dave laughed, and he goes, no, no, this is Steve. This is our new surveyor. And anyways, he shook my hand and welcomed me to the island. And, uh, and he was, yeah, super gracious and friendly and mm -hmm. and. But even at 94, he would have been 93 or 94 at that point. I think he died at 95. So probably yeah, yeah. 93. Um, I mean, he had a strong handshake and a big smile and he was carrying on. And, and uh, yeah, he welcomed me to the island and he was great. So that was my one, 
my first time, I only met him one time after that, and it was just hi, Steve type of thing, or just sort of nodded his head. Right. Yeah. So how about Dave? So what was your experience with Dave? I mean, you got to work um, with I mean, I work with Dave a lot because in season seven, he was in the money pit a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I guess, you know, every war room, Dave's in most war rooms. So right. the war rooms. I mean, Dave just, he lightens the mood. You never know what he's going to say. And uh, he doesn't. Um, hold back. He doesn't hold. But you know what? He makes everybody laugh. So, you know, it could be a serious war room and everybody. And Dave will just lighten the mood because he'll just say something completely out in left field. But it will make you think. And it's often very relevant that somebody else hasn't thought about. Yeah. And it changed the whole path of a war room based on one comment that Dave makes. Because yeah. he's so focused and everybody's so focused on the data or yeah. on the history. And Dave will just say, get over it. And let's think about this. And mm-hmm. he a lot of sense. So you miss the boldness of Dave. And I would say that's what I miss. The boldness and the, the just the lightheartedness of Dave. Yeah. Yeah. We, we really, and like I said, we're really going to miss him. And I, and I think that, you know, he'll be back at some point and, and uh, be, we'll see him around the Island at some point, hopefully in the future, but, uh, and he deserves, you know, he deserves to take a break and kind of step away from yeah. it, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been on that Island for such a long, long time uh, with and with and after his, his father too. So, um, but how about you, Laird? Do you have some uh, now? Your your experience with Dan goes back even further, obviously, because we've talked. You were hired by him. How about yeah. what your thoughts on that? I was hired by him. Uh, I think we worked for th- three days on the island, um, just doing a survey, walking around. We did a little testing at the ball site, mm-hmm. um, and then as we as we were leaving, I went up. I think he was on his lawn tractor, and I said. Uh, I said, okay, we're all done. It's we're, we're going to leave now. And he said, oh, geez, I thought you were going to be here for a lot longer. And I thought, damn, I just lost a bunch of work. <laughs> anyway, and then the other, my other memory of Dan is he was always great in the war rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just sharp as attack. Yep. Um, except the one war room where he kept calling Gary Jerry. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I really we we gave Gary a pretty hard time about that. Just <laughs> you know. The one thing I the one thing I remember about about Dan was that you would always get on Marty. Marty would always Marty is always a pessimist of your group. It seems like yeah, yeah. And he would look at Marty. And goes, you have to follow the evidence. Yeah, it's yeah. the evidence. And he yeah. there was more than one time he would just bring everything back together. You you're going too far out. Bring it back back to what you know. Right. And you know, two years ago when they did the bump out, they did a fifty foot bump out. Right. Yep. I think the previous year, um, when uh, when Dan saw the saw the car for Dan, he said you should have put it fifty feet further. Yep. So he he uh, and he, he was so right. Yep, and he was right. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was absolutely right. Yeah, that's and that was kind of neat because we got the obviously when that happened, then we got the opportunity to see the slipway. And of course, this U-shaped structure. And then we saw that other uh, structure that was basically like two uh, two boxes, and yeah. you know, right. um, and it, the one wall of it actually collapsed while Jack was in there working. Um, and there was a there was one of the members had put up a picture, and I and I think he wanted to ask the question. I don't know that I I have it, but there was some other. Uh, he had a picture of some other structures that looked similar to that. He talked about in Newfoundland. Um, that was some sort of a, a a box of logs stacked up making boxes like that. Are you are you familiar? Well, that, with that's a traditional way to make a pier or a wharf okay. here. All right. Um, you do that and then fill it full of rocks. Okay. Um, but this one wasn't because it, wasn't. it was covered in tar paper. This one wasn't one of those. 
-hmm. there was some rock in there but not a whole bunch and i missed i missed kind of the the end of the excavation for that one so okay. i'm not sure concluded it was were you surprised that everything that you took out of smith cove you found so many things you know so many things that never been found before but you really didn't find any artifacts no and we that drove Gary and I crazy. It just mm. didn't make sense that there's so much activity and so few artifacts. Yeah. You know, and that's what my profession is driven by artifacts. So mm -hmm. I don't have any artifacts. There's not much I can say. Yeah. And I know I made the mistake the last time you and I got to speak um, on a show like this. You, you know, I, I, I actually made the mistake of asking, asking you, you know, what you what was your theory? What do you think happened there? And you're like, yeah, I don't get into theories. Well, that's that's where the Dan's follow the evidence uh, mm -hmm. mantra, mantra um, always comes into play. Right. Yeah. Yep. You got to follow the actual artifacts. And that, and I guess that, you know, and that goes back. I know Jack and I were talking about this earlier. Um, that goes back to the beginning before you were even on the island. I guess there was there some the word was put out that they were looking. Dan, maybe, I guess, was looking for an archaeologist on the island or something. And you nobody wanted to apply because it was a treasure hunt. Is that? Yeah, it's archaeologists don't want anything to do. Well, they didn't want anything to do with the islands um, because that's what they associated with. But mm -hmm. I mean, we work under permit, right? We we we're not treasure hunters. We're just there yeah. as support right. and protection. We're, we're we're protecting heritage, making Got sure. Yep. Now, now, did that change once the Laguinas took over a lot? That integrity of wanting to save things. It it is changing, yes, yeah. It's evolved since right. I got since I got to, I came on the on the show on the island. Mm -hmm. um, they understand that they're frustrated by how slow it takes us to do things at times, but they appreciate the evidence that we can uncover. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it's it's we're working together. I know I know Gary wasn't happy when I first came on the show and we were walking to lot 24 mm -hmm. apparently he was not very happy at all but uh when i let him just do his thing he thought everything would be all right now did yeah. you have i read somewhere where you had to get a special permit that he could do it as long as he didn't dig it up dig anything up or something like that that's I, why there's always that's why there's somebody with him yeah i had to be there it's that's the same case today yeah Mm -hmm. So he could dig it up uh, as long as there's a permit on the west side of the island. Yeah, that was something that we talked about before because everything from the, what is it, the money pit or the edge of the swamp, swamp. to the west has to be permitted, but everything from there over does not. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and that has to do with basically the, we call Dunfield the Destroyer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he came in and dug that big home, basically obliterated so much of the yeah. artifacts and the things that were there, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that so was has written, written that side off. Yeah, exactly. And that's a that's a bummer. And that's something that you know we've talked about that before on the show. That now the Laginas are out there, and I we believe in their integrity. I've had you know I talk to people about Oak Island friends of mine or whatever family members, and they're like, oh, you know, that's a bunch of hooey, and you know they're talking, oh, it's possible. Do you don't you think they're planting things? And I'm like, no, no. no I really honestly never would believe that rick and marty would allow that for one thing yeah. 
nor would anybody else, you know, come up with something. They're like, well, well, yeah, but look, you see Gary, he's over there. Deed, 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 and then you see him reach down in the hole. How do you know he didn't pull that out of his pocket? I'm going, he's not going to do that. Well, how do you know? I just know. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, and, and the fact that the show's not scripted, what's your, you know, what's your take on that? I mean, do you, you agree, obviously. That it's not scripted? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And no, nobody's going to pull those kind of shenanigans. No. We lose our job. I think to expand on that, we're all professionals outside of Oak Island. Mm -hmm. You would cost your career if you did something like that. Exactly. exactly. I, have, I have a question for both of you on the new dig that you guys are doing here in the money pit. Uh, Steve, did you work with him to make up that map so when he came on island, you were ready to go? Had you been in contact to help do that? On which map, sorry? The new one for when Craig came out, he had the new area to drill in. Oh, oh yeah. So those are the new maps that I, I now make, but they're a collaboration of the Money Pit group, really. So what I did is when I started, I took all of Terry's notes and all the notes under the Lagina, and I built mm -hmm. a data set. So what you're seeing there would have been Terry's plan, and that's probably 2016, 2017, because yeah, I was in yeah. 2018. Yep. So I've taken that and expanded it, and I put that in AutoCAD. So now it's in a real-world coordinate system, mm -hmm. so it's no coordinates attached to it. So I've taken what you see there and expanded it, or really put it into a you know a reliable data set. Not that it wasn't reliable, but mm -hmm. a backed-up data set. So everything now gets recorded um, that we do, and everything gets recorded in 3D. So uh, we have a couple programs that we run in the Money Pit. So everything that you see Craig bring to the Money Pit or Terry or myself or Scott, it all comes from AutoCAD. I actually have it open here. So any questions you ask me, I can look. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and you know, that's something too, is that I'm really amazed by, you know, I we know that, you know, just working in with well drillers coming out and drilling a well, that those things walk. They don't go straight down all the time. They do walk. And initially when we were looking at some of those maps that Craig and you were showing on the show, you see the, you see this, this like a slinky line going off to the side. Is that, that's the walk, correct? Correct. That is. So I can talk very little about that because they did air it in season six. Mm -hmm. so, um, there is, I can't talk about it much, but I can talk about it really little. So okay. there's a surveying technique that we use. If you go back to season six, you'll see it. Uh, how it's done. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I can't talk about who does it because that hasn't aired, but okay. every hole gets a 3D survey. So I go in, I survey the hole to begin with, they drill it, and then it gets resurveyed again. And it's taking the 3D drift of the drill hole itself because we need to know where that hole went to All base right. the evidence that we find. So we find wood at 150 feet. Um, we based OC1 at finding wood at what is it, 1706 at 149 feet we know where that is based on this survey that we can do to each drill hole so that's as much as i can say because that's what aired a few years ago okay. but we have a very reliable um way of surveying each hole when it's done okay i learned since there's a new area that's been done and i thought craig i think i remember craig saying you were on virgin land because you were outside the duncan area now do you have to do you have to have an archaeologist there? No, not on that side of the island. Okay, I didn't know because since it was never been, never been drilled, as from what I understood. Yeah, the, the agreement is if they find anything they think is undisturbed and significant, they would contact me and I would go look at it and evaluate it. 
And then the decision to get a permit would be at that point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know that there was somebody, we had uh, somebody that we, I, I would probably say, uh, Steve, that uh, probably one of your biggest fans. Um, yeah. And this person was, was, was a, a little upset, um, but wanted to know, you know, this, this naming system. Um, and, and, uh, I, I kind of figured you might know who this is that was talking about the, the, you know, we had the OC one, we had the RF one, we had the, you know, all the different names and then all of a sudden this other naming, naming group. And this person was a little, you know, didn't like it too much, but I guess we're looking at the, the, uh, across the top, you know, we're looking at a chart. Could you, you can imagine who that was? I know who it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, the naming of the chart. It's changed a little bit, and mm -hmm. it happens with a lot of our input. It's just not my input. It's you know, it's mm -hmm. not Craig, Rick. We we all come up with a naming system. I don't think any of us love the new naming system, but it's what we've put together and agreed right. on. Right. The money pit, you know, the new money pit grid that I've designed a couple of years ago is north, south is A to Z or A to Z, depending on which country you're in. Yeah. Right. Yep. East to west, it's one to twenty-five. Mm -hmm. So if we're drilling in D14, you know, A, B, C, D14, right. you're over here. And so when we get into, because we, we've done so many drill holes. So when you get into the foot, you're looking at like 8.25, 9.75. So it doesn't fall on the actual grid lines right. in a little tiny circle within the grid, multiple grid lines. So right. we've done so much drilling that we're now drilling in these little fine areas on the money pit grid. And to keep the naming straight, we have to work with what what we're doing. So we just can't call that, you know, A14 or A9. We have to call it A.25 because we're A and 0.25 of five feet and 9.75, which is nine. So between nine and 10, it's five feet. So between 10 and 11 on the grid, it's five feet. Every, every grid section is five feet. Mm. So your 0.75 is 0.75 of five feet. So, it gets confusing, but it works for us. So the people who, who, who put this together, the research group, we understand it and we understand it can be very confusing. And uh, we hear it a lot, even on the island. The guys are like, you know, the money pit program is messed. And Scott will say, it makes sense to us. Mm -hmm. so, and really at the end of the day, it needs to make sense to us because we're the ones that put the data together. And the best we can do is, you know, in a war room or in a situation like this is try to explain why we do it. Even though it's messy and confusing, right. at the end of the day, it makes sense to us. Yep. And I know that, uh, Deidre, I mean, uh, the, the person, this, this member of yours that, uh, likes, uh, you know, this, she, she loves, I think her favorite one is F, uh, 0.25 by 9.75. Uh, I think that's her favorite one actually. Uh, and I heard yeah. it was a, a possibly going to start a petition or something to, uh, get it changed back to, the <laughs> oh yeah. So we, uh, we, we love her to death, but yeah, I, you know, and that's the thing about this chart that I have and this, the, uh, actually, um, purchased uh on the from the island for me by linda our our admin uh linda simpson got this for me and it's and it's very i know it's hard to see with the camera here but again you've got your your numbers going across the top and then you've got your uh letters going down the side so and i know that right now in season eight you guys are working up in this area here and That's this right. this is kind of what jack uh jack was just talking about the fact that there is you know, you hit virgin ground. Now this has been aired, so I, I'll go ahead and speak of it, but there has been virgin ground found. And also what looks to be, and I, and I don't expect you to elaborate on this because it kind of stopped there. We don't know how, where it goes from there, 
but what looks to be hitting at least one wall of the Tupper shaft. Uh, that's what's been aired so far because they they came out with a chunk. I think it was what was it, Jack? Like eighteen? There was a section of eighteen, right. 24, 24 to twenty-four. There was like three sections. Twenty-four from twenty-four to twenty-eight feet when they hit solid wood, almost solid right. wood coming. Yeah, through. the whole section was wood, which looks like they may have went down the side of one of the walls. I'm assuming that's what they think. So anyway, um, but again, this goes back to being able to now if they can go back. And Craig talked about this, being able to move over. And this is where you come into play, I would assume, to move over and be able to say, okay, we're going to go here and look for, see if we can hit the, the east wall and then the west wall and then the north wall, if that's assuming that they were in the south wall to begin with. But you got to move around to try to find those. And if you do find those, now you can say, yes, this is the Tupper shot. Because am I right in assuming that this is in an area where no one really has looked before, correct? No searchers have that we know of have been looking in this area. Other than well, the Tupper shaft. Other than the Tupper, yeah. Other right. than people who built that shaft. Right. This, I mean, there's lots of evidence out there to suggest everybody places these shafts all mm -hmm. over. So, but we can't use historic records because a lot of them are just hand sketched to where they think they are. Right. Yeah. Themselves. So this Tupper pit or Tupper shaft um, is just as important as a shaft too because we have information to support. Mm -hmm. you go back to last year, you remember how successful we were determining the orientation of shaft two through the drill program, we're going to do the same thing. So having a lot of wood on one hit, you know, 10, 20 feet is fantastic because it shows that we're on a wall. Right. And we know that if we have 20 feet of wood or 18 feet of wood, and we get that a few times through the, through the course of that drill, we're on a wall. So it helps us determine where to go. And we can often be quite successful and say we, we need seven drill holes and on those seven, five of them hit, those five, that, that's a successful drill because even the ones we don't hit on, we know there's nothing there, and that's important. So right. the ones where we don't find anything also help us build um, those shafts and those tunnels in 3D. So they help us get an understanding of, of what's around. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and being able to get to the bottom of it too. Like I know they were talking about it in the – you know, finding the tupper shaft, if it is in fact a tupper shaft, well, it, it looks like it may be, uh, but also going down and finding the bottom of it. Cause I know they, they were talking about the tupper shaft being the one that was drilled or, or dug uh, next to 10 feet away from Northwest. I think it was Northwest of the actual money pit back then. And then be, they went down and then they tried to come over horizontally and to try to come up into the money pit that way. And then again, they hit water and it flooded all that out and then they weren't able to continue. Um, so, but again, by, by narrowing that down and knowing where that shaft is, now you can say, okay, I guess it would be southeast of this point is going to be the money pit. And that's what is key is to finding it. And it kind of looks like most of the searchers have simply missed it. Like, and, and looking at the map, again, that map that I have over there, you're looking in an area that's outside of the Dunfield big dig. And then you're also looking outside of the head and shaft, north of the head and shaft. So this is an area where you want to be able to find that wood. And again, Marty always says, oh, you know, here we are finding more wood. But it is important in this respect to find mm -hmm. that. Yeah, very important. Every, you know, Charles says this a lot in the money pit, and I, and I don't know if it airs. But, you know, no evidence is good evidence because mm -hmm. it goes where there's nothing. And some of the, you know, when we find nothing, it can lead to the next search quicker than finding something. Mm -hmm. We can rule out an area. Yes. So when we're defining or when we're chasing something in the money pit. So right now, um, 
where we're airing, we're chasing this tupper shaft. Right. Right. Well, when we miss, we know there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. So defining everything in 3d space has really been able to help us pinpoint our next location. And we can take those drill holes because we're limited to so many drill holes because we only get so much time with the drill rig. Yeah. I would imagine. Right. Right. And so we've got it down to really a fine, a fine science that our program works really well. It's really intensive. It happens quick. Um, you know, we're on top of the data happens quick. It's all big, just bang, 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 bang. We have a system. It works really well, but it doesn't stop. You know, that drill runs for 12 hours a day. And, I can imagine, yeah. And, and we got a timeline limit because of COVID. You got to like stir that everything also. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. I mean, because of COVID this year, it, it made things a bit more difficult. But once we got into our Oak Island bubble, it, yeah. it just, you know, worked as usual. So, but what you guys see is it, it's the same thing. So lots of wood is good for me because it helps me determine where that thing is in 3D space. And it helps us decide where we want to move the rig to. So. Right. And then the fact that I think it was C, oh boy, I, I have my notes from uh, from the other shows that we do. But uh, they, I, when Gary, when you guys found that little piece of square nail, the end of it, uh, and then that was actually, this was just on the show um, last, last, last week, if I remember correctly. Tuesday, right. So they found a little piece of nail. It was actually looked at by Christy, looked at it. Um, and then it was determined that it was dated somewhere, she said, post- uh, 1810, I think, or something like that. I think I, I forget my 1840, date. I think it was 1840. Right. Post-1840. So that would lead it another answer to be that that is possibly the Tupper shaft is what it looks like. I know you're smiling, Eric, so you can't really elaborate yeah. on it, but, but it, it, so all those little pieces, even though it's just a nail, everybody wants to see gold. I'm only going to bring up some gold. You know, we want to see gold but all those little pieces are telling a story and that little piece of nail is telling a story. So it's, it's important. Mm -hmm. Larry, I got a question for you. Yep. <laughs> when we started in the swamp was kind of a taboo, you know, we, you weren't going to go there or Murray didn't want to go there. Definitely. We know that right now. Yeah. Uh, you're in your second year, I believe really with the swamp. Are you really, I am amazed by what you found in two years out of there. I, I can know what you think about that. No, I think it is amazing. I mean, that's all on Ian Spooner, right? That's Those are all yep. Spooner discoveries. Um, the Stone Road, I don't think was happening if Spooner didn't get out there with a probe and a boat mm -hmm. and just find it by hand. Um, it, it's really amazing what, what is in the swamp. And I know Fred, that's Fred's baby, yep. right? Yep thought everything was in the swamp and right now it's certainly looking like something happened in the swamp we just have to find out who and when right and that's what's so interesting about that because you know and again it goes back to we saw at the very beginning of the season where uh tony sampson was pushing dr spooner around in the inflatable boat yeah and he was running some scans over the area and that led to them, him going out with Rick in the inflatable boat. And like you just said, putting that shaft down there and hitting all these rocks. And he's like, and, and it was so weird because of course, and again, because it's TV, we only see a small, you know, a, a couple minute segment on that particular thing when they were probably out there for hours, yeah. but he was able to determine that this stone roadway, while it was still filled with water was about 20 feet wide and about 70 foot long, which it turns out to be pretty much exactly that size. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, if it hadn't been for him, you know, defining this, um, 
you probably wouldn't have drained and started digging over there in the first place. No. I mean, he knew it would, it shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Right. In that environment, he shouldn't be finding that. So right. it's really, a, really all of those discoveries are on Ian Spooner. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And I then, have a question course, about I, the outlast. Okay. I, on a show, I believe it was last week, you were in the swamp and it said it looked like the road turned and it went toward the upland, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Now, are there two uplands? Because I can remember Smith's Cove at the end of last year. I think it was the last show that you dug a hole and they were calling that the uplands. Also. The uplands. Yeah. Well, now, it, are there two uplands? Are they the same thing? Or they both meet at some point, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's just coming up from the waters. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I remember that because uh, Steve was there. Well, Steve was in the water, and then they went up to the uplands there about the first show of the year because they were doing some measurements with churros, I think, on the first show of the year, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And he ended up on the uplands and calling Rick and Marty there, if I remember correctly. I think it's basically with a small U, right? We just, <laughs> we just say uplands. Yeah. So we know, and, and speaking of this, this kind of segues us right into this section here. And this is looking at the uh, uh, the Behringer um, map, I guess, or Behringer survey. Sure. Survey, thank you. Uh, so the Behringer survey, which, you know, we've seen where you and uh, you, Stephen, and um, um, was it Doug, I think, went out and you guys were doing some surveying in this area. And you were looking for these these four red dots here. Um, and of course, went out and uh, and did some. You well, there you that's, are. That's what I was talking about. There, we're, <laughs> there you are. Uh, I had to get a little deeper than what your boots were were ready for. Um, so that was where the cross was found, wasn't it, Steve? If that I was, it that, there was one of the locations that I surveyed is within a few feet of where the cross was found. Mm -hmm. How how you know? That's just that's uh, um. It's a, it's a, what a coincidence, right? I mean, that that would be right there. That's, that's just weird. And then of course, uh, you know, there, yeah, I got a sh showing, I was showing Gary, of course, and Rick, you know, finding that, uh, finding the cross there, which I think, you know, I think most people would probably say that's one of the most significant finds that have been on the Island to date. Um, you know, that we know of anyway. Um, but then of course you guys were now this, this was really interesting to me because, as you guys were putting this stake in here and then you were looking at it, um, this particular stake ended up being, I guess it was explained to be um, so close to the point by which uh, Billy Gerhardt was on top of it with his excavator and digging down into that big hole. Isn't that right? Right in this area? Yeah. So last year, Billy would have been sitting on that spot to dig our 50 plus foot hole. If you remember, we hit the wood <clears throat> and we couldn't, really the side of it was a tunnel or a shaft at 50, 52 feet. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I can remember Marty went down and uh, went down and looked into it and got really, he really, he said, it goes that way. Like I, yeah. I can remember him saying. Yeah, it goes that way, he said, yeah, when he got down. And then Rick, of course, got in the bucket, which I'd have been me. I'd have been in that bucket in a heartbeat. Get me down in that hole. I want to get a good look at this. So, but this was so, yeah. And again, like I said, you you mentioned that uh, this would have been right where the where Billy was actually sitting on. So they were that close uh, to where this marking. And this was this a metals? They 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 thought there was precious metals down here underneath this. So that would have been one of the non-fares targets. So non on, yep. on the Behringer survey, there was four non-fares targets, and and that was determined from a BLF survey from if I remember nineteen eighty nine. And 
So you can see them there. So that would have been that one right there. Yep. Okay. This was found in Dan Lancaster's basement, correct? If I remember correctly. That was found in Dan's basement by Doug. Wow. Yep. So we just, I took that, it was surveyed. So I had some control points and I could reference those control points. So laying out these potential tunnels and potentially non-ferrous targets was rather easy because it was you know, a professional survey. So I, it was, I just used the survey, used their control points and corrected it to our coordinate system. And lo and behold, you see where the, the tunnels go and the potential non-ferrous targets go or right. are at, I guess not go. But. Right. Right. And hopefully we'll get to see more on this because we didn't, you know, there hasn't really been anything else talked about uh, these particular points this season or in season eight that we're watching so far. Um, so, but hopefully, and again, that, that happens so often to us, you know, watching the show that something will come up like this, something that we think is important, but then we never hear about it again. So we have to assume at that point, well, maybe it wasn't so important after all. Um, but again, I, I really, I'm very curious to see where this leads to. And that hole that you guys had dug uh, going down about 50, 52 feet and finding that wood structure. I am totally fascinated by that. Oh. It was suggested on the show that it might've been one of the flood tunnels, the legendary flood tunnels, um, as, uh, as Robert Clotworthy calls it, the legendary flood tunnels, but we really don't have an answer on that yet. And I don't know, is that something you can speak on or, or no at this Weird. point? I, I actually, I was on the ball site by about that time. Okay. I wasn't part of the, of that excavation as such. I mean, I was part of it. I just don't know what I can say because I don't know where the show is going to take it. Right, right. Right. Okay. And, and, we understand, and we understand that. Yeah. And now here was an overview looking down on it. And again, like I said, that 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 whole spot there in the uplands coming off from uh, Smith's Cove was just fascinating to me and finding that. And like I said before, you know, I would have been in that bucket just like Rick. I wanted to get down there and put eyes on it. And that's one of things that rick says all the time eyes and boots you know get the boots on the ground and get a look at that um and i i would have been in there in a heartbeat because i wanted to get a better look when they did put the camera down there i mean it's obvious that there was some sort of a structure a wood of a collapsed tunnel or something down there um and hopefully we'll, we'll get to find more about that um and it but it does it does lead and again you know if i go back in those pictures it does lead right to that um, you know, cause you know, here they found it and it looks like, you know, maybe it was this tunnel right here that was, you guys actually hit, hit that tunnel, you know, if that tunnel exists, so it's, it's all fascinating, but you know, and again, Oak Island being Oak Island, we get a lot of questions and sometimes not as many answers as we'd like, uh, unfortunately. So, um, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or things breaking down when they're not supposed to break down. That was a, um, and anyway, this season we talked, they talked quite a bit about Erin Helton coming out, um, or actually in the war room and her giving some, um, you know, her idea of what happened, you know, looking at some of the stones and, and Zena Helpern's map, um, that they, she had found, um, stuffed in a book of all places, but this map, if the map is true, really did give some good points. And then of course, Erin coming out and talking about that. And she gave you some some points to look, and then you went out and actually found those those rocks out there um, that she was taught that I guess the um, uh, and I, I forgot my numbering now, but they, she had numbers from six A and stuff like that. So you were instrumental in finding those rocks this season. Yeah, I mean, Aaron and I worked a lot together, especially early on in the season. Mm -hmm. um, she, I believe, her research was a year and a half to two years worth. So that was a mm -hmm. her theory 
wasn't just something she threw together overnight. It, it, it evolved and it evolved through real science and real data too. So right. um, I worked with her a lot and Doug worked with her a lot and uh, we did a lot of work. And I mean, she, she used data, so we would feed her LIDAR data. And, mm-hmm. But that was, I would never feed her something to lead her down a path. Right. So I would let her come up with her own theory and I would either confirm or deny it. So as right. she confirmed certain parts of her theory, I would continue to feed her the positive data or, you know, maybe there were certain parts that didn't pan out. I would feed her that too. But I mean, Erin was, I mean, she's great at what she does. She's a a data analyst and careers in general work really well with data analysts and Mm -hmm. ironically enough, archaeologists. So to go back to the field, surveyors and archaeologists work hand in hand. Um, But I mean, I mean, Erin was, she's really good at her job. And so she essentially combined her world which is data and the theory world, which was Xena. And she came up with a very elaborate and as Rick called it, a romantic theory. And, right. you know, a lot of our season was based on her research. Mm-hmm. It, a lot of the work that I did was driven based on air. So, right. I mean, she was great to work with. I mean, she was professional. Anytime I had a question, it was instant. Sometimes I'll send questions out and it will be a day or two before I get back. Aaron would have it within minutes. So we work really well together and, you know, mm-hmm. It was fun working with her and being a part of that. that yeah, she was very confident in her in her information, and you know we we picked up on that right away watching the show. Um, and we've uh, you know we've asked her to to come on with us at some point if she could, but she she's grac- graciously uh, declined for now, um, and hopefully someday we can. But I know that it left off, you know, looking at what she talked about on the show, and it kind of left off with she had a point there. I guess it would have been on the. <clears throat> on the west side of the money pit area she came up with a point there to look for a shaft or some sort of down there and again so and then the drill was sent down and there was nothing found in that particular spot and then so she was asked to give another coordinate in that same general area if she could come up with something else and you guys would look that's where we left off and we haven't heard anything else so hopefully um we'll hear more about that but very intrigued by the fact that she was leading this all back to, I guess it was Cone E, which is the bottom, the last rock on the bottom of Nolan's cross um, being very key in all this. And that kind of goes back to some of us, and I being one of them, that that cross on the island, uh, that there is a purpose behind that cross on the island. Now, what it is yet, I guess, has not been proven uh, what what it was. But in, in one of the things I wanted to ask you, Stephen, about that cross is, we're always told on the show that the measurements between like the, the headstone in the center uh, out to each arm on each end and down the, all those match up that those, those, those uh, distances are exact. Is that pretty close to, is it, are they pretty close to being exact? It's pretty close to making a perfect um, cross. Okay. So um, it, it really depends, you know, the stones are so big. It depends what, when you're surveying it, what surveyor, determines what the center of each stone is. Right, right. Uh, but I can I, I'll confirm that it's pretty close to perfect. That's that's amazing. And and so and and for them to have been, you know, we are assuming that those those that that was, you know, uh, set up Nolan's cross was actually set up sometime back in the early, you know, 1400s or 1300s or what have you. And again, we don't have an actual date on that that I know of. Um but that's amazing that they were able to do that and have that just so precise. Um, and again, I'm one, like I said, I'm one of those people that believe that no one's crossed. There is more to it. How do you guys feel about that? Is there anything you can say on that? Do you feel that there's something important about Nolan's cross as well? 
Or is that a subject we got to stay away from? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a Nolan's Cross person. So. Oh really? Wow. Um, no, in in that I don't know very much about it. Oh okay. All right. I was going to say, are you a believer in that? Okay. So. Larry, <clears throat> I have a question for you. Yep. Since there's so much going on in the swap, how much help has it been to have three more archaeologists there to help you out? Right. I mean, it's, it, it, it seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger every episode right now. Yeah, it was a great help. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 three three other sets of eyes, three other people to ask questions, mm -hmm. uh, which which is really important to us. So, right. yeah. yeah, I've actually had the opportunity to have. Uh, uh, Dr. Aaron Taylor on with us, you know, he, he came on early, uh, back in December, I think it was, <clears throat> he came on and I was able to talk to him a little bit about, uh, you know, what he has done up to that point. We could talk about what he's done on the Island. And then of course we have Liz and Miriam as well out there. And I think that's, in, in my opinion, that's fantastic because you want everything documented as much as you can. And now you guys are becoming very busy. And I noticed that Steven, you know, you're, you're kind of, you hang out with them quite a bit. Obviously, you have to, but you're hanging out. Are you maybe becoming one of those dreaded archaeologists? Part of that team is? Are you <laughs> me? Oh, the yeah. Marty likes to call him the dreaded archaeologist. You see, you see I, I hang out with everybody. So <laughs> I'm Gary and I had a discussion in the island, and um, we're really designated into certain parts. We're certain, groups and you know, oversees this group or this part, and you know, it will be driven by Craig and we all live in different worlds. Terry and I, not Terry and I, Gary and I, and Laird would be the same. Laird gets called everywhere to look at everything. And we just sort of float between everything because everything that's found, whether it be an archaeologist, now Laird knows how to survey a little bit and actually really well. And so Laird does a little bit of his own surveying with our total station. But anything that's found, I come in and I try to come in once a day or once once every two days and survey everything that's been found. So everything that Gary finds, I survey everything that's found in the money pickets recorded and everything that's found by an archeologist gets recorded in our database. So you'll see me everywhere. And that's just because I'm getting called in to survey what's been found by whoever found it. Right. I have to, I have to laugh. I mean, I, Laird, I have to laugh every time they call you over to Oh, no fun, Laird or anything. Cause they find oh, yeah. something that's very important. <laughs> And also, you can know it's, it's not what you think it is, or whatever. I mean, yeah. Jack negative Niven. Negative Niven. That's Jack yeah. Harvey. Negative Niven. Yeah. <laughs> negative Niven. That's great. Well, we had a uh, we had a uh, a picture. Uh, you know, and I got to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna show this, but then I'm gonna qualify it a little bit too. Oh, it's awful. Um, yeah. So so there, you know, there you are. You guys were working on the wash table, um, and you found that piece of leather, and you know. It, Obviously, and you qualified it by saying, "Hey, I'm not an archaeologist, but this looks like it's significant." You know, so you did say that. So, and then of course, uh, you know, as this went along, you had uh, you were there, oh, there's another picture of you checking it out, and then of course, there it comes <laughs> there goes Laird, yeah. <laughs> or as one of our members called him, COD, the Crusher of Dreams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta say that you're vindicated, uh, uh, Steve, because. Uh, isn't this piece of leather found now kind of maybe possibly tie in with the, the leather from the heel? I mean, they were both taken to the bookbinding guy and I've forgotten his name. I should remember that, but so is that, is that, go ahead. I'll let Larry talk about that. So okay. I actually found this piece of leather and um, so he handed it to me and I took a look and I thought it was 
obviously a book binding. And I was pretty excited. And, and I can tell you that I get so excited that it went across the island and everybody got pretty excited. So Laird was out there pretty quick. And, um, you know, Laird said it looked like a piece of, if I remember, a boot or a glove? A boot, I think. I think it's because it's so, it was thick. Mm -hmm. I and he it said it looked like nice leather. And he, I remember him saying, if I remember correctly, it was old. And mm -hmm. it wasn't important. He just ruled out what I, what I thought it was. Right. I, I think it turns out to be fairly uh, significant in, in some sort that it was tied back to all the other leather. But I, I don't know how much I can talk about that because I, ha I don't know what they've aired on it. And, oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I did say, I was like, well, I got really excited there and there's cameras on you and you, sometimes you forget there's cameras on you. And I was like, well, I better say that I'm not an archaeologist because I'm not. And maybe yeah. I'll air because maybe it's not what I think it is. So Right. Yeah, it's, I, I know it's kind of the same way with the, uh, the, the I guess, it, and we still don't know the material yet, but I guess the brass knob. And, and that was funny because everybody was all excited about it. And, of course, we hear Gary, and Gary is so animated when he finds something. Woo! You know, and he, and he found that, that that knob. And, of course, we didn't get to see, you know, it was on the promo for the season premiere. Um, you know, oh, they found something gold. Look at that. Look at that. What, everybody was speculating what it is, a locket or a watch or, a you know, pocket watch or something like that. And we, you know, but we hadn't seen the underside of it yet, uh, with the hole in it. And so when that, uh, when that came along, um, and we finally saw the episode and then everybody's still excited, you know, everybody's excited about it and they're looking at it and, and then it over overcomes Laird and he's like, well, I hate to be the guy that busts everybody's balloons or I forget what you're I am always that guy. <laughs> yeah. And over, come over now you're going to let everybody down. Yeah. And, but then when you turned it over and you saw that, the, I guess I'm assuming that what you saw was the metal. Uh, it wasn't something that was added on top, but the, the metal was all the same color where you could see where it was broken out. You, once you turned it over, you go, Oh, now this is more. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you flipped it over, you said something about it being more significant when you flipped it over and saw yeah. that the metal, I was assuming that's what you were talking about. Now we still don't know exactly what that's, they haven't had it, you know, we haven't seen on the show yet that it's actually been tested uh, right. to tell us exactly what it is or anything. And hopefully, again, hopefully it's not one of those pieces that just uh, falls away into oblivion and we never find out uh, yeah. uh, anything more about it. Um, we've been going about a little over an hour and a quarter now, and I, and I think it's time that we jump into a few more of the, the member questions. We had quite a few that were that were submitted to us. Um, I, I just had one that came over and I'm kind of curious about. Mm -hmm. When you guys are planning out your schedule, who plans out the schedule? Do you two get together with the rest of the group? How does you know? How do you move forward? Let's put it that way. With me, I, I have a. They asked me for a plan for the for the year. You know what what do we plan on doing? Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of work within that schedule. But then it's a moving target, right? Something will come up, and all of a sudden, I'll have to go to something else. You know, so we can, I, I plan an outline and then it changes every day mm -hmm. because production for the most part controls our schedule during the day, right? We learn what we're going to do when we get there in the morning. Right. Okay. Even so that's what I was going to say. Is there like a meeting? Does everybody get together and have a meeting and say, okay, today you guys are going to work on this and you guys are going to work on that. And is there like a, a planning thing in the first thing in the morning? Uh, no, usually I get there and one of the assistants will tell me where I'm going to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. His, his, because of the money pit, um, 
they have a much more solid plan, right? Yeah, mine's a little different. I so first and foremost, I keep the money pit running. So um, the the drill rig can't move unless I move it. And then of course, when the drilling's done, you know what I talked about earlier that that three D survey has to be done. So um, the money pit is a very expensive project. The drill rig is a very expensive drill rig. And so I'm just sort of let loose. So if I can sneak into a war room, I get to sneak into a war room. Um, if I can get called out to go help somebody else, whether it be Laird or a, another archeologist or Craig or whomever, um, I have to make sure that it's not interrupting the progress in the money pit. So my first goal, and I'm, I'm told this and reminded this every day is to keep that drill rig moving. So I don't really have a schedule. I just get in trouble if the drill rig stops. <laughs> so when you're called to, when you're called down to the swamp, it's come down, get your measurements, and you're going right back up to the money pit. Essentially, and I can only do it if the drill rig's not down. So mm -hmm. if it's coming to the end of a drill hole, I have to sit there and wait to move it because it's so expensive to run that drill rig that it needs to move on to the next hole. So mm -hmm. everything needs to be done. But but then we need to, you know, as soon as we're done drilling a hole, I have to collect the data. Somebody has to collect the data. Right. Has to run back to the research center. We have to plot it. We have to talk about it. And then we pick our next hole. It is literally picked in 20 minutes. So everything is done. And by 20 minutes, because it takes about 20 minutes for that drill rig to come out, I have to be back up there moving the rig. It happens seamless. We have it down to a science because we've right. been doing that, uh, for two or three seasons now. Mm -hmm. It is. It happens like clockwork. It happens quick, it happens fast, but we know, you know, we've got a good routine. Right. And, uh, but really I, I just, I'm one of the rare that I don't come in and I'm really told what to do. I just sort of float. Yeah. And I, and imagine your phone goes off quite a bit. Hey, get over here. We need you over here right away. So I imagine yeah. you're getting a lot of a text or calls throughout the day to come run over here and you too, Laird, you know, I would imagine that you get called around. Uh, quite a bit to say, you know, like when they called you over, when they found that knob, you know, they're going, Hey, get over here. But yeah. there's times when you might be on the opposite end of the Island. And again, the ball property, we finally got to see, we've been waiting all season. Many of us have to see what's going on in the ball property. Now, all we saw was what was on last Tuesday's episode, which was you. And I believe it was um, Liz, I think are working in on the ball. You have two different little dig areas that you're working on. Um, and, you know, obviously we can't really talk about that too much. She did find that little piece of pottery that looked like, and I think you called it, um, um, uh, um, oh, I forgot the name of it. The, the, the glazing that was on it, a turtle, tortoise shell, tortoise shell, oh, yeah. some kind of like, it was a little piece of pottery that was found. That was really the only thing that was shown, but you guys are working that area now, which is really cool. And that's, you know, we are. Again, I, I know that the, the you know Samuel Ball was significant on the island. I believe he had something to do with actually finding uh, one of the they was in the involved in the finding of the money pit to begin with. Even though his name was taken off and then Smith was added on, um, you know I, I'm kind of a believer in that side of it that he was involved. He was on the island when they found it. Um, but um, with that said, now you're working that that area, and I'm assuming that that continues on more that we haven't seen yet. And I know you can't talk about that too much. No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're, we're archeologists and, uh, and not treasure hunters. Um, but there's some interesting things that come up this year that really convinced me that something larger happened around there. Oh, that's awesome. 
That's good to know. That that kind of puts us back on the edge of our seat because again, uh, you know, many of us and I and I did some research on bowl and I and I really like that uh, and I'm I'm hoping that we see a lot more uh, evidence uh, of things that were going on there. Um, one thing that uh, one of the uh, members asked. Uh, this was Janet. Um, Janet asked, uh, uh, "What?" Uh, and, and again, you have to kind of think about this in context. But uh, what is your most exciting find on Oak Island? Um, for we'll go with Stephen first. What do you think is like the most exciting find that you've uh, that's been on the island that we've seen so far? And I know that again, we got to find that line right there of what's been shown. Oh, that's tough. Um, I'm going to see. I'm going to come up with something later, but off the top of my head, I'm going to say the 1706 wood from last year. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 See, that's, that's key to me too. I, that's something we've talked about on the show. That's because that's very significant. That date, um, that date and that piece of wood has driven 50% of our money pit program. Wow. Just based on that one hit, it is dictated at, and I'm just making that number up, but, probably at least 50% of our drill holes are based on chasing that piece of wood, chasing more evidence of that. So, right. Okay. Same thing for you, Laird. And they said, she, and the per person here says, and don't pick what, what Steven said. <laughs> I mean, I love the ball property, but it's, it's a series of, of, of small finds. So what really changed things for me was Smith's Cove and, and the U-shaped structure. Oh, right. Um, I just keep going back to that and back to that and trying to figure out what it is and why it's there and who put it there. Right. You know, it's just a fascinating, fascinating structure to me. And I'd love to see it recreated. Yeah, that would, yeah, that would be really, really cool. And, yeah. and I got to tell you that you shared some pictures yeah. recently um, with, and with our group and with some of the other groups that were fantastic. I mean, these were you know, you know, there's so much going on in the island that we don't see yeah. as, as viewers or fans of the show. But you sharing those pictures, I can't thank you enough for that. Oh, yeah. I know the members are the same way. You know, that's so many good detailed pictures of things that we just didn't see before. And see, we, we'd love to share things, uh, you know, immediately because I see all the fans out there is a huge group that's going to solve any questions we have. If we put the evidence out there. Mm -hmm. get some great opinions and some answers from doing that but unfortunately with this show we i mean I, i'm offsetting those are two years those pictures are two years old so i'm safe okay. today. right right yeah, so, I had, yeah go ahead are you surprised what either one of you might have been? the longer we go with this the more the swamp the money pit the tarp everything seems to be coming together where before it was just the money pit. It just seemed like the money pit and Smith's Cove were the two main, the two main things. What I'm saying is, we're getting more and more of the island. What don't you think coming into play? Yeah, it, it's broadening. The area of activity is certainly broadening. Um, I'm not sure how much closer to answers we are, but right, yeah. I guess we have to keep asking questions to. But but are you surprised that all of a sudden it's gone from like a little circle? It's just kind of. It's like it's like it's like a it's like a wave going out, you know, a, a wave going out. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the end of season four, I thought, well, there's nothing else for them to do. This will be it. And the end of season five, I thought, well, there's nothing else for them to find. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I am surprised. Um, and it yeah. it, it yeah. sucks you in, right, Steve? It really it really grabs you. Yeah, and especially, I mean, Laird said. 
I mean, we don't have a lot of, we still have lots of questions, but man, so much is starting to tie itself together. Yeah. And Ireland is really coming together as a whole. And you'll see that play out this year where, and you can see that play out really over the last year and a half or two years where everything just starts to, all these 1700 dates, let's talk about you know what you've seen, Smith's Cove and the Money Pit. There's right. a lot of early 1700s and that seems to be a very common theme on the island at this point. Right. So, 15, and it seems that? like the 1500s are coming into play with the tar pits and everything else in that area right in there. The pine tar kiln, yeah. Pine tar kiln. And that's another thing we talk about. So possibly there's, not even possibly, I mean, there's hundreds of years apart. So there's different activities at different points in time that have happened on the island. Right. And it's trying to figure out, okay, who was here in the 13, 14, 15, 16, 1700s, or no, who was here in the 13, 1400s, or even the 15, and who was here in the, the 1700s. And we really have record of who was here in the 1800s, but right. it's trying to figure out the U-shaped structure, um, the wood from the money pit from the 1700s. You know, we pulled wood of the money pit mid 1740s, mid 1750s out of two caissons last year. And that, those dates are tied to the U-shaped structure. And uh, what else? 1741. Uh, slipway. Slipway. Yep. So everything is really starting to tie itself together between the money pit and Smith's Cove. But who was that? Was it recovery? Was it deposit? And then you have this, these other dates floating around the island from Dr. Spooner, 13s, 14s, yeah. 15s, and who, who who's that? Right. Yeah. That's the thing about looking at the, at the, getting back to the swamp, you've got the, the rock area that they found uh road or paved area that they found last season. Uh, mm -hmm. And they, they cleaned all that off, which was actually on the North, I guess the North side of Nolan's little peninsula that he has coming out there. Um, so that was found last year. And then of course the excavation looking into the actual eye of the swamp, um, which I still, I, I have this belief. I want to believe that the eye of the swamp is, is so much more significantly important, but again, Dr. Spooner. And I think Aaron Taylor was even there at the time and they were looking at the fact, that, Oh, this is, this is simply a, a, a blue clay area where they were mining blue clay. And I'm like, that can't be all there is to it. Why did they have the rocks around it? But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it, it, that's, that's all it was. They were just mining blue clay out of there, but I, I want to believe that there's more to it than that. Um, but they found that roadway there. Now they're working on this roadway they found, and and uh, it was actually named on the show just the other day. It is a roadway of some sort. And then it kind of turns and heads towards Nolan's Peninsula. And again, does that, and we're, so we're thinking, does it go on underneath Nolan's Peninsula and continue on or not? And I know there was some digging over there. We've seen the one episode where uh, Rick actually took the bottle and got some of that water that was in there, and he got it in his mouth. And we all just cringed when we thought, it, oh. I, you know, that's a little brackish and I'm like, oh, how could you possibly do that? But again, Spooner had dated that, uh, Dr. Spooner had dated that to about the 12, 1220, that piece of wood that was in there in between the rocks. So who in the heck was over there doing something in that early on? I mean, that's yeah. just amazing. And this roadway, I haven't seen it dated yet. Nobody's really said anything down in the Southeast corner of the swamp. We have not on the show yet seen any dates of that yet. I'm hoping that comes, but we know that you went out there, Steve, with your with the with your um, GPS unit, and you were able to actually say that over there, where um, the archaeologists you guys were were digging over there, cleaning off the top, that was about the same height as the rocks that were being found closer towards Nolan's Peninsula. I think it was the same elevation, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that ties them together. Uh, yeah. the, the thing that I find amazing, maybe Larry, you can 
speak on this. I find it amazing that those roads are that wide, that long, and it had to take a lot of people a lot of time during that whatever time period that was. Yeah, I mean, it's it's carefully constructed. It's mm -hmm. not just having rocks thrown in. Steve mm -hmm. pointed out, well, you tell them what, when you first saw it, what you thought it was. Or can you? You tell them, because I forget <laughs> <laughs> it has the larger rocks on the one side. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can say that, but yeah. there. I don't. Let's wait and see how it plays out. We're we'll, yeah. we'll do a follow up. Of yes. Here at the end of the season. Thank you. I appreciate Thank that you. very much. We were going to ask you if you could do that. So yeah, all right. Right. I looked at that. Laird and I got called out. I think together the very first time, and I said, "You know what this looks like? I'm a surveyor. I survey lots of roads. This is what this looks like. It looks like a road, and it looks like this, but I can't say it yet." Yeah. All right, okay. sounds good. We'll leave it at that. Thank you. Laird with the serpent mound. Did you think to say? Did you think it was a serpent mound the first time you saw it? No. 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 Okay. I know you guys were standing on top of it. Were you pretty convinced it was a, a just a, a spoiled pile? I was. Yeah, I, I you know I was looking at all those those boulders there, knowing that it was just off, just back from boulderless beach. You know, I, you know, and I, I kept thinking, well, maybe they're boulders from the boulderless beach and they were bringing them up here for some reason. But again, we, we don't know for sure. And we may never know no. uh, exactly what that was all about, unfortunately. But it's, it doesn't seem that it's all that significant. Um, Gary did find that, that, that uh, decking spike over there in that area that matched up with the decking spike that was found out of uh, OC1, I think. Um, so that and that the one of them had a little bit of like concrete on it. Yes. that uh, Krista found. And that just fascinates me to no end because people talk about the, the chapel shaft and being covered with, you know, concrete. So that's it's like, okay, we need more information on this. You know, what's, you know, but we, she did find that concrete substance and it dated, you know, uh, obviously pretty old. Um, so we're, we're hoping to hear more about that as well. Um, and this was uh, from Paula. Paula Mason asked, uh, she said, Laird and Steve, uh, we're excited about the chance that uh, we can have you guys answer some of our questions. Have either of you gotten to a point where you felt as if finding an answer to Okan was never going to happen? That you kind of lost faith in the fact that we're never going to be able to solve this? Have you ever, either of you ever been to that point? You, Larry, you can go first if you'd like on that. Well, the end of season four and the end of season five and the end yeah, of season Yeah, you mentioned that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I believe, I mean... The search is sincere. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not it's not contrived, uh, and it would be going on without the show, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would love to be part of the solution, mm -hmm. mainly for Rick. I think yep. Rick yeah. and Greg and Jack just put their heart and soul is in this, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd really like it to be solved for them. Yep. I would love to have been solved for Dan too. And Fred, you know, mm -hmm. that would have been great. Um, yeah. What I, about I have you? another question. Oh, there, uh, Dan showed us a picture. It had a lot of orange flags going around. Now, is that surveying or I know Gary has put some flags out before, but he's been, but he can't dig down, but he'll mark it before he moves on to his next city. There's a whole bunch of them in a row there. Yeah. Th those aren't, on the ball site? Uh, I think this was in the swamp, too. In the swamp area, yep. Oh, flags in the swamp. 
Yeah, there was little orange flags. I think those were actually flags that Gary was finding. Maybe hit. Gary. Yeah. Had found something and he was alone. He couldn't. He couldn't dig up. Well, it would. Well, Steve can. Steve can talk to that. So it could be a mix between my flags and Gary flags. Oh, okay. Okay, so Gary used flags. Um, if, if something that Laird has to come in and confirm, you'll see some of Gary flags, or something that he wants to come back to. Something he needs to bring an archaeologist into, essentially. Gary will flag something. A lot of flags you see could be mine. Um, I could be marking something out for somebody to dig. I'll often set something up. Um, like we have a data set or something that says, you know, we should look here. I'll throw those in, that into our data set. I'll convert it to our coordinate system, and I'll take it out, and I'll stake it out. So if you're seeing stakes and flags in the swamp, they might be mine. But you, you also come in, and, and you tag every Gary find as well. Oh, right? so a lot of times, yes. When Gary finds something, he puts on a flag what he finds, and I come in behind and survey it. Yeah. So that could be that as well. Mm -hmm. So finds, say you know, the golden knob or the knob that he found, whatever it may be that got everybody so excited, he will take a flag. So what you, you, you don't see is Peter Finetti or Jack or whoever's with him will take a flag, Alex, they'll write on it what he finds, sticks it in the ground, and I come in behind because I can't always come in because of the money pit. Now, right. some do come in live um, when he finds it and survey it because it's quicker for me to do that. But a lot of times I can't do that. So I'll come in behind and I'll just record all of Gary finds. He'll say, Steve, I worked on lot. 13 today or lot 15 today can you go and tag in you know pin all of my finds and i do um i was going to give you uh that question also that, that laird was uh, talking about about your most interesting find what do you think what was the question sorry it was about the um the most uh let's see where's i at um uh let's see um Oh, here it is. Uh, have either of you, uh, oh, no, that was the wrong one. It was about the most interesting thing that you think has been found on the island. Oh, we did that one. It was oh. the one, um, do we, something about the evidence found. Have so you lost, have you lost hope ever? No way. I think that hope. Yeah, we, yeah, we covered that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Our hope is growing. I think because of what I just said a minute ago, that we're yeah. starting to be able to tie different time periods and different parts of the island together. Mm -hmm. Everybody's getting more excited. I yeah. think the fact that we're able to tie so much together now, I mean, there's a ton of questions. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is starting to come together. And you'll see that play out, I think, the rest of this year. That we're just, yeah, everybody's excited. That's, I'll leave it at that. I, don't, I can't give too much away because I need to leave you guys with some excitement. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's go back to what we know. We know 1,700 Smith's Cove and Money Pit, right? So, uh, we, we also had a viewer ask, I don't know if you do can answer this, how far out was the shoreline like 500 years ago? Because I know they were out diving out there by the swamp, you know, this year. Did they have an idea how far out the beach went? Because I know it, it does move up, if you were asked. I know. Steve has an idea. I know they're, they're, they're looking at getting a, a model, like a computer model generated for that. But it hasn't been done yet. But Steve knows this. We have some data. We have some data set, and, and it's so high tide in our area increases about one foot per hundred years. So if you go back four or five hundred years, you can push tide out about five feet. So based on just that, um, we have we are going to get look into doing a proper data set on that. But just for generically, what we use is about one foot per hundred years. So every hundred years, tide moves in another foot. So. Okay. 
Um, Laird, uh, this one was for you. Uh, this was from Ramona um, Gardner Green, and she was asking about evidence. Have you found any evidence uh, that there was Native American or Native American, not Native American, obviously? Sorry about that. About Native people that were on Oak Island or doing much with Oak Island? We we haven't yet. Okay. Um, basically, because I think Smith's Cove is so disturbed, the swamp so disturbed. Um, but there's no doubt; it's almost inevitable. Um, if we keep excavating, we will find um, evidence that they were there. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it basically occupied the whole of the province, so there's no doubt they're on Oak Island. Uh, um, we just haven't found that evidence yet. We haven't been looking for it either. Right, yeah. So what you're just while well, you're you're finding whatever you find while you're working in a particular area and whatever yeah. that whatever comes up there. Yeah. Um, I guess there was a question also about a. Uh, uh, possible the 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 pin that was found and again we have to be very careful because some of the stuff hasn't really been talked about but they they talked about that i we had the episode uh last week it was called the fellowship of the ring bolt yeah. uh and we found that ring bolt out there um we and that hasn't been taken over to carmen yet i know several of the people have asked about that but i don't know again how much that can be shared about that because they just found it last week so um it hasn't like i said it hasn't been looked at by by uh carmen yet uh, or I'm assuming at some point, and I did talk to Carmen just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and he, he kind of yeah. indicated that, you know, he smiled when it was brought. Oh, he, he a big grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's more to be uh, discovered there as well. But, um, um, you know, somebody, I guess they were asking about it being possibly being a, a mooring bolt or something that would been put into a rock. Um, and, and also that was another question that was brought up that, some of the rocks that were found out there, would they have been, would any of them, in your opinion, have been used for ballast or any kind of a, you know, uh, is there any evidence of that at all? Like a ballast stones or anything? I haven't seen it. Usually um, if the boats come in from England, a lot of the things they put in for ballast were uh, flint. Oh, wow. Right. Because it's, it's a rock, it's heavy, it's not worth very much, but when you get it to the other side, it can be, repurposed and used right um so we haven't seen anything like that yeah does it seem like it seems like it's me and i know a viewer asked there seems to be a lot more people on the island the last couple of years it's more that you've seen the more people you've had to bring on to find to find things to get things done mm -hmm. no absolutely i mean we've been using a lot of uh, a lot of different experts over the years which is great you know, I love to see it. Um, I don't know, but the money pit. Yeah, I mean, it's we're a normal construction site. I'm a surveyor. I work in every environment, and you do work for archaeologists, engineers, um, tradesmen, tradeswomen. Mm -hmm. We're no different. Our Oak Island is it's all the same. We work with everybody. The bigger the group, it's almost the easier it is because it takes a little bit of weight or pressure off, and you get a little bit of help here and. I mean, you go back to my first year and I was a little bit of everything, including Lair's assistant. And truth be told, I was too busy to be Lair's assistant. So Terry was Terry was my assistant that year. So it's uh the bigger the group, the it it just helps us get into our own little groups. It's back to what I said earlier. It's everybody now plays a part and we're really designated to certain areas for the most part. And the bigger the group the easier that becomes because everybody supports and truth be told for the most part, we all really get along. And as you can see, if you, anybody follows our Facebook groups or our social media, I mean, 
but we put pictures up as of each other. So right. we're, we're always going out together. So I think that aids in the fact that we all just get along. Yeah. yeah and that, that, that's the one thing that one of the viewers said that that is, is like everybody checks your ego as a causeway. It just comes in and works together. And yep. you can see it in a war like your friends also. That it shows through it comes through on the show. Right. Yeah, that's definitely it does. And that Jack's exactly right on it. It does come through on the show very well that you guys work well together and that you become friends and you're all working together. And just like the name, you know, the fellowship of the dig, um, that you guys are all invested in this, not only because this is your job right now currently, but also because you're working together as a team to get to answers that we all want to know, uh, you know, solve this mystery of who, what, why, when, and where, as Rick always says, um, that's very important to us to get down to that. And, and I, and again, I kind of agree with Rick, what I love to see them come up with a, you know, the treasure, some big treasure chest of gold or something like that. Yes. I think all of us would like that, but I think a lot of us would rather see or not rather, but would like to see answers. Mm -hmm. You know, the, every time something happens, we get it, maybe get an answer, but we get three more questions about what's going on. You know, they talk about the anomaly in the swamp, this 200 foot long that looked like it might be a ship. And, and Fred's talking about that the, 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 there was two islands and it was filled in in the middle and there's a ship out there. Again, none of that's been proven, but we get, we keep getting little pieces and bits like that piece of metal that was dug up uh, that Gary found that was taken to Carmen. And it turned out to be what he said was a plank, a piece of metal banding for plank for a ship planking. And then it was tested and, and found out it was in a hot fire or something like that. So why was that there? We don't know, but yet it kind of leads to more, more questions. You know, it, it's, you know, why was it's, that out there? It seems like Oak Island for every answer you get, yeah, you get you five get more questions. questions. Yeah. Through. We know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How um, much have you used uh, Christopher Sarah of St. Mary? She seems to be off and on on the show. Maybe you go up there more to what we think, than what we think you do. They, they use her a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think mean, most metal artifacts that, that they want tested go to Krista. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we had a question here. This is from, uh, again, your, your number one fan, Deidre. She was asking about the money pit. And I guess this is for Steven. She said, we know that they're, that the boreholes and the wells walk. And we kind of talked about this uh, just a little bit ago. Uh, so her question was, when we are hearing the depth of the casing, um, are we getting the actual depth of the casing section or are we getting the actual length of it? So that, that's because, a question a friend of mine just asked me as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So what, what are we, what are we dealing with there on that? Is when, you know, when you're dealing with that walk or that. that so when, when you do the math on the triangle of the walk, mm -hmm. it, it's very little. So let's say we're 150 feet deep. Mm-hmm. You know, the casing's 150 feet. We, we've used 150 feet of casing. So that's that's the depth you're getting. Mm -hmm. The walk, you know, it's it might be 149.6 or something like that. It's so little that we just go by the depth of the casing. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because at that point in time, we don't know the walk. Right. And, and I was, you know, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. And maybe it's, again, it's something that we can't really talk about. But, you know, I heard them talk at one point, uh, and this was just an episode or so ago, talking about that walk. I, I assumed it was. They were talking about putting a, a gyroscope or something down the pipe. Is that how you figure out that that walk? Did they say that on the show? Yes, they did. Or I heard yes. so yeah. If it's aired, that's what we use. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause it, it was said, yeah. And it, it was brief. They didn't really explain it. And I heard that and I thought, 
well, how, is that me? And I thought to myself, well, maybe that's how they're determining that it's that it's moving over. Because again, and I know you got some you, some pictures of maps there. You can share if you'd like. But again, it's that uh, that that particular walk. I didn't realize it was so much. I really didn't. So if you're drilling where you think, okay, we think it's right here, but then you find out that walk could be three feet away at the bottom. Yeah, I calculated that the average walk is two to three feet, which isn't too bad actually. If, if you think about it, two to three feet over two hundred feet isn't a whole lot. It's mm -hmm. I mean, we've had previous years, because I have the data, we've had walks 20 feet. Mm -hmm. It's not with Mike and Choice, Sonic, Sonic Drilling and Choice. Uh, mm -hmm. But two to three feet is pretty we, – we know that with Mike, he's our driller. Mm -hmm. rig, and uh, we know that he's going to give us two to three feet on average, and that's really good. So we've got no complaints on what Mike does. Right. I have a question. How much is the solution channel – been a problem for you. We'll put it that way. Because I'm thinking of Rick's I'm thinking of Rick's Tooney and how much it moved. Marty's Tooney, yeah. And yeah. Marty's Tooney. And has that affected what your thinking has been when you're drilling or anything? It doesn't affect the drilling. Um we get information from each drill and we know when we're inside. We can help we've defined the solution channel pretty well off of the drilling, but it doesn't affect us at all. It's you're either in the solution channel or you're out of it. And it doesn't really play a role either way. Um, we don't usually base our drill holes around that, if that makes sense. Could you explain that solution channel just a little bit briefly for maybe anybody who doesn't really understand what it is? Okay, so the solution channel is almost what Terry would call a moving feature or moving. It's almost like a mud lake or this little lake. And this little, it's just a moving feature of water and mud mm -hmm. in the it, and you saw earlier in the season, we based our drilling around that. And early in the season, it, it showed the progression of that. And, and if, you know, if we're right and we think we are, it's, if there's something down there, it could have possibly pushed it. So the goal of defining the solution channel is to find the depths, the deepest portion, the movement where it's pushing, and that helps to define where we need to drill. So the solution channel is essentially this, but you can picture this just mud lake that is moving mm -hmm. under the money pit and it's just pushing everything. And how is it created? We don't know. Was it created because of the flood tunnel systems? That's what and I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really know how it was created. We just know it's there and there's multiple theories of what it is and what it may be, but we know it's, it's there. It exists. We have the data to support it and it plays a huge role in where the treasure could be. So um, because if it is moving, you, you go back to season seven where the toonie moved 10 feet, right? Right. Put yeah. right. Another. So we know it exists. Um, we've got proof that it exists. We know what it does. Um, and it's just, we've got it defined. And mm -hmm. drilling this season, what you guys have now seen is, was based around defining the solution channel because it, it, it's so important to the search. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have another viewer question. How do you deal with the mosquitoes and the smell? <laughs> I mean, I, I think Larry may have to answer that one from the swap more than anything else. I actually don't remember the mosquitoes being too bad this year. Yeah, you had a pretty dry you had a pretty dry summer from what I heard, and that's why you were able to keep working in the swamp so much. Yeah. I think it was a pretty dry summer. And I don't that, remember mosquitoes that, in the swamp at all. Really? Maybe you do, Steve. No, I hate mosquitoes. I load up in bug spray. <laughs> it's true, there's a lot of that. Yeah. I spray down. I mean, I Laird they, they make me leave the research center. I'll soak myself in the morning with bug spray. Oh, I spray everything. I hate so they, haven't, they haven't really been a problem. Yeah. 
Well, they, and again, they uh, mosquitoes are, and myself being from the UP of Michigan, um, I am I am familiar with lots of. Matter of fact, they said our I used to have a T-shirt that said our state bird was a big mosquito, a big giant mosquito. Um, and the the wetter the season, the wetter the summer, the more mosquitoes you have, the drier the less you have. And you guys did have quite a bit of a, a dry season this year, um, which again benefited quite a bit. And and that goes along too with the fact that. Um, you know, they talked about this, the shortened season. And again, I hope we're not running into this. We're going to start wrapping up here. We're getting close to two hours and, and I'd like to wrap up about two hours, but, um, that we, you know, we had a bit of a shortened season this year because of COVID. Uh, I, when I say this year, what we're watching right now, um, because of COVID we had a shortened season. Most people weren't, uh, you know, the Laginas didn't get out there until what we assumed to be somewhere around in June, um, to begin things. And that delayed, you know, they were talking about doing the big dig. Um, and many of us wanted to see this big dig happen. Uh, unfortunately, because of time and everything else, that's not going to happen or didn't happen this season, maybe in future seasons, but it did allow you guys to then focus on other things, ball property, the swamp that we may never have known about until Dr. Spooner was able to go there and spend time. So this allowed you to explore these other areas, which was fantastic. And now we have more answers, but more questions. There was also the structure, the wooden structure that was found in the southeast corner of the swamp that they saw, yeah. and we never heard anything. Where they, everything went to the road. So I'm hoping that we get back to that wooden structure at some point and talk about that a little bit too. I, I, I'm, you know, again, I know this is nothing you guys can talk about, but you know, I'm really hoping that we can get back to that uh, at some point. You know, over this, uh, the course of this season or next season. I'm hoping again, what's, what's the thing going on with COVID there now? Are you guys under a, a lockdown again? Not a, not, you know, I mean the country being locked down from us coming over from the U S or. We are. Yeah. So chances are, if things don't change here pretty soon, we may be right back in the same predicament we were last year. Do you think? I think, well, things may change because of the vaccines now. Mm -hmm. True. Right. right. Uh, but right now we have seven total cases of COVID, I think. We had a couple today, later. I think we're up to ten or something. Yeah, so we're 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 pretty good, and, th and those those cases are all related, right? They're all yeah. travel related cases, and then okay, um, people related to those people who traveled. So, mm -hmm. um, knock on wood, but I mean, Nova Scotians aren't in any hurry to uh, to have it come back. So yeah, yeah, I know. We just yeah, sure. off to Newfoundland. It was the last thing we had a bit of an open agreement with Newfoundland. And this couple of days ago, we shut that down because they had a big spike. So as a whole, we're running it pretty good here in Nova Scotia, and we have been since the start. And we—I don't think we've ever seen our number over a hundred cases. No, it it reached. Remember, it reached about thirty-five, and everybody freaked out, and then we just shut everything down. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're certainly. I know down, down here in the states, if it was thirty-five, so I remember they'd be jumping for joy almost. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, for uh, sure. That's uh, we're we're certainly hoping that you guys can get uh, get going. I know that the you know here we are still in February, so nothing's really happening yet. But here, I don't know when we, things usually get started up in what in around in April where people start April May. April May get start getting back to the island and getting things. Well, we certainly hope that it gets going this year. Um, on a fun side of of Oak Island, you know, again we talked about our our good friends uh, Dustin and Deidre White uh, with their site of the uh, um, uh, the. The uh, could it be Oak Island? Uh, and and uh, I gotta I gotta share that you guys have uh, obviously you know about this already. 
um, but we, we like we like the uh, the trading cards, you know, that they have, and they've been uh, you know giving away as their prizes on their trivia show and stuff like that. It's fantastic. So we got Laird Niven and the Flood Tunnels of Doom, uh, and then the Royal Cartographer uh, Sir Stephen Guptill. I mean, this is really fun, and, and yeah. what they do is so cool. Uh, we we really appreciate them a lot. So I mean, were you guys pretty surprised when you you became uh, uh, trading cards uh, on trading cards? Have you seen these before, Laird? <laughs> We, we have them. Um, I didn't expect it. <laughs> I saw it coming up in my life. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, they do. They do make it a lot of fun. Yeah, we uh, we really. Uh, yeah, Guppy. Yeah, as he's talking about. Guppy. Yeah. So, uh, but it is a lot of fun, and we do uh, we do find that to be um, uh, quite a bit of uh, interesting stuff that they do. And then, of course, there was this one here, and I I, I was a little curious what this one was all about. Um, <laughs> herding cats or something i don't oh scott one of scott's saying is we're like herding cats on the island well i just noticed yeah. all the cats in the background there yeah there's all kinds of cats all around yeah they just kind of follow steven around the island i guess so. laird actually took that picture and that was scott calling me so that's a real picture and then it just got sort of photoshopped <laughs> and turned into a meme by a bunch of different people but that's that was a real picture laird and i were working together on a particular site and yeah Scott was calling me and um, he wanted me to move, go to the money pit because yeah. to do what I need to do in the money pits. So. Yeah, that's Steve, Steve gets to talk to Scott a lot. The what? Say that again. Steve gets to talk to Scott a lot. Well, not only that, you know, Steve does get to talk to Scott a lot, but also, you know, I mean, there's this one here about the amazing race. Uh, you know? <laughs> I think, you know what? I think Scott and I would do well in the amazing race. Oh, really? You probably would. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. So yeah, this is just fun stuff. We really, uh, really like to. We really uh, appreciate it. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun, and we know that you guys are having a good time out there on the island, and uh, we we get to have a good time with you, and that's the thing about it. The show has been very successful. Um, we, that's one we, thing I wanted to ask you. Are you surprised that yeah. your show is that successful? I mean, when you look at the ratings for the show and everything else. I mean, when you first started, did you have any idea at all that this would become a phenomenon? I certainly didn't. No, no. I underestimated uh, the depth of interest in Oak Island mm -hmm. from around the world, for sure. Yeah, you guys are world famous now. You're a world famous archaeologist, and Steve, you're a world famous. Uh, oh, oh, I forgot that. What, what's the actual term? Geometrics? Uh, Surveyor. Surveyor. Okay. All right. We go surveyor. But you guys are world famous now. I mean, we have members in our group that are all over the world, and that's just fantastic to us that the, that we have so many. Um, oh, and they, yeah, Tara just jumped in and said, tell Scott happy birthday for us. Right. Oh, yeah. Happy yeah. birthday. Everybody should yeah. wish Scott happy birthday. Today was his birthday. One, one more thing that I wanted to show here real quick, and Laird, you and I talked about this at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, one of our good friends to the group, um, and I have had the pleasure to talk to uh, in a setting is uh, um, Corian uh, uh, Mole yeah. and, and also his partner in crime that he works with, uh, Christopher Morford. But there's a video that you sent me um, and it's I'm going to I'm going to show it here real quick. Um, uh, can I give a little background? Yes, please go right ahead. I went to the Netherlands in 1995 for the 50th uh, anniversary of the end of the war. Mm -hmm. And uh, on that trip because my father was a veteran, but he, he had died. But um, I met uh, uh, a young guy, um, uh, Gordon Slater, 
whose father was killed during the war. And he was there with his mother um, because his father had been missing for some time and they were, they just wanted to know how he died and things like that. And he never, he didn't get to meet his mother. So December 26, Corian sent me, uh, sent me a, a message and uh, asked if they commemorate in the Netherlands, they commemorate all of the graves of the war dead, mm -hmm. particularly Canadians. Um, so he wanted to know if there was a grave I wanted him to uh, light a candle on. And so the grave I, I picked was, was uh, Major Gordon Slater, uh, who died in October 1944, uh, very close to where Corian lives. Yeah. And here's a little the video here showing him uh, at that site there. And he's lighting the candle for it. It just goes to show you that this is more than just a treasure hunt, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, R.G. Slater. Yeah. Robert Gordon Slater. Major. Yeah. Yeah. That's really neat. And we uh, – go ahead. Sorry. But again, yeah, uh, Corian has become a good friend of the show. And then the music that I played at the very beginning when the countdown was going on was music that uh, he has shared with us. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be doing that on quite a few of our shows now. I'm going to be playing different songs of his. Just a fantastic, not, not only is just a great guy, but he also is such a talented person yeah. in so many different areas. And uh, he's become, like I said, he's become a very good friend of the show and uh, of us. And we really appreciate everything that he's doing. And yeah, I see a lot of the chat is coming in right now talking about uh, uh, so honorable. And oh, somebody even said something about making them cry or making them cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is a very, very touching moment. And obviously for him to step up for that, that's just, that's just fun. Yeah. I want yeah. yeah. And that, you know, you guys have become, you know, you've met, so many of the different people um, that you've touched, you know, over the years that you've been on the island, both of you, uh, you've got to meet. And 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 I've had the pleasure, uh, honestly, quite honestly, I've had the pleasure to meet so many wonderful people uh, connected with this. But it's kind of neat because you can all stay in touch with each other and and do things like this, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you, the the opportunity that you've had to meet so many people and and uh, that are not only, you know, like you said, not in in some ways, not even connected with the uh, with the treasure hunt, but things like this, it's just, uh, it just means so much. It really does. It's amazing. Yep. It sure is guys. This has been fantastic. And, and I know that, uh, there was so much that we'd love to cover again, uh, down the road here. I, it, this is one of those, it's one of those fine lines that you say that right now is the time where you guys have time to be on a show, but you don't really, you can't really talk about too much. I, that's why I was kind of waiting. I, I was kind of pushing the, pushing it down here that when we could have you on, because that way there's more you could discuss. We really hope. And I know that once you guys are on the Island and filming is happening and you're there from dusk to dawn, every single day um, or dawn to dusk, I should say, and doing your thing out there, you don't have a lot of time, but boy, I tell you, if we could get you guys to come back at some oh, point, we would love um, it, that you could cover more of what's happened on season eight. I know we got several more, I don't know how, what the count is, but we have several more episodes to go this year. Um, and we know there's more that you could talk about. Um, we'd love to have you come back at some point and and be able to you know share more with us if you could. I we'd love to have you, and I hope that that's something you would be willing to do. Absolutely, yeah. Because uh, again, you know, we have we have our our members in this group has just taken off. We've got uh, you know a lot of fantastic people, and this group here has been one of the groups that just 
they sh we share so much stuff. So many people are so much more knowledgeable about the island than I am. Uh, you know, I'll throw a question out there and we'll have five different people answering it for me. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just been a, such a pleasure to do this. And I thank the members every day or every time I'm on. For oh, yes. And we certainly thank you guys for coming on here and sharing your knowledge with us. It's been just wonderful. I hope that uh, you, uh, you know, we treated you well and you've had a good time here with us today. Oh, yeah, it's, it's been our pleasure. And, and we both acknowledge that uh, we're not in this position without fans. Right. Mm -hmm. So we like to thank them for sure. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you very much. Uh, we just hit the, we're just at the two hour mark, so we got to call it. But uh, again, thank you so much. Thank you members for being here. Uh, you've heard them say that they would love to come back. So we certainly want that to happen. Um, so. we, we can't uh, thank you enough. And anybody else that you don't mind telling them, hey, you know, you know, if we, because we've reached out to some others and I know some others can't come on and that's okay. We understand that um, or have graciously declined to come on and that's okay. We under, we completely understand. We understand the NDAs that you're under. Um, but if you know of anybody else that would like to come on and share stuff with us, we'd love to have them. But again, thank you so much, Jack. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Work out there in a the group and members. Thank you guys so much for participating with us today. We love you guys. And we just want to be able to give you more good content coming down the road. So going to sign off and say goodbye. Thank you very much. Right. Hang around for a second. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you here in just a moment, but hey, everybody have a great day and stay safe. All right.